I don't want a follower. I want a team member, right? I want Straight someone up. on my team, dude. I want someone in the family. I want a family member. Mm. I want someone in it with me in the trenches crawling, dude. Just crawling like this. We're going to make it, bro. <laughs> like that, dude. Just going. Just going. I, I got love for the game. We are live. We got Brian Moncada back on the podcast. What Yo. is up, Brian? What's up? What's up? What's <laughs> up? Yo, so Brian is local, and so I, I just want to bring on cool people, right? And this is the thing that I realized in my kind of just like trying to book guests for the podcast is like, at what point do I interview someone just for the sake of having someone to interview versus at what point am I also just talking to people that I really want to talk to, you know? Oh, I feel special, bro. That makes me feel really really special dude so uh, i'm glad to be back last episode was awesome and uh there's just so much more to talk about this time yeah like the miami beach is being closed <laughs> get us started with that bro what happened right, so we had a plan to go to miami for fourth of july weekend the first to the seventh first time flying out to miami ever i was like dude this is gonna be sick uh found out there was a old versace mansion that was turned into a restaurant a block away from the hotel we were staying at the first night. So I was planning on eating dinner at the Versace match and just to experience it, you know, and then 4th of July in Miami on the beach. And then two days ago, it got announced that Miami beaches were being closed because of COVID again. So we're not going anymore. I, I, I think it's really interesting that we're here, Scottsdale, Phoenix. We see all the riots breaking out. Everybody forgets that COVID's even a thing. <laughs> yeah. And then as predicted, you know, all the numbers spike in Arizona, especially, and they're acting like it's not correlated to the protests when it clearly is. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting, dude. I was um reading something a while back where this exact situation happened. Like, I think it was in like the 1920s. Maybe it was the Spanish flu. I don't know what it was, but uh, they thought it was safe to come outside again. They started gathering and then all of a sudden they had to go back into a second quarantine um, because the, the cases were going up. But my question is, what side do you believe because there's two sides right there's sides that are saying the graphs are inaccurate and at the end of the day the rise in cases doesn't mean anything because there's more tests and because there's more tests more people are testing positive and then the people that are testing positive now not really asymptomatic so are are they right and like hey let's lock down because there's more tests and there's more cases of it or is the charts of people dying um, less frequently to COVID, the ones that trust, because now I think the average death rate per day due to COVID is like something uh, way lower than it was before. And that's a good sign, right? Mm. So if the people are dying less, doesn't that mean that people are becoming immune and it's not that serious as they once thought? You know, wh wh yeah. who do you believe? Because I'm thinking like, okay, I'm young. Well, obviously this is being selfish, but it's like, okay, like if, if, the, if the death rate is lower, yes, people can test more positive because there's more tests and because it's not as dangerous as we thought. It's like a minor flu, right? Let's just say, for example, right? Because I haven't got it. I don't know yet. But that's what people are saying. Then the death rate's going lower. Okay. Does it make sense to close down the beach for 4th of July? Uh, why close it down when you say, hey, look, the tests are going up, but it's go outside and go to the beach at your own risk. How about that? Yeah. Why not that, huh? Let's do that. <laughs> I, I was thinking the same thing as like, I, I feel weird that now in Arizona, because of the rising numbers, when I go out to a restaurant, you are forced to wear a face mask yes. unless you're sitting at your yes. table. Yes. And to go into any store now, you are forced to wear a face mask. And here's the fucking hypocrisy of that shit is like people will wear gloves to like hand me my food or like take my card mm. or whatever. Yeah. 
but they don't change their gloves after every fucking time they touch someone else's card or their mask after every day of using it, which you're touching your mask. A lot of people, I see people with a mask too, like putting it down, breathing a little bit, putting it back. Yeah. You're, you're coming in contact with different things. You should be technically, if you really want to get serious about it, you should be uh, washing your hands and then changing your mask every time you touch it, bring it up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a lot of flaws yeah. to what's going on right now. Well, with the people, I don't necessarily blame the people because no, me yeah. and Kate, I'll be honest, you know, fuck a face mask. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, let's start it. Um, I, we use the same mask every time because we yeah. think it's fucking retarded. But... Yeah. I'm just like, I'm talking more specifically about the stores that are creating regulations. And it's like, yo, why are you wearing gloves when I know you've been wearing the same pair of gloves all day? <laughs> it, does the doctor wear the same gloves between patients? Hell fucking no. That's a good point. Right? That's a good point. <laughs> and so me being in dental school, me shadowing d general surgeons, like I know fucking cleanliness and uh, sanitization. And this is not following any regulations. In fact, it's working against them. Even the fucking, the keypads at the grocery store where you slide your car into it, they put saran wrap over it, all right? I could see from a from a cleaning standpoint, it makes it easier for them to just rip off the saran wrap. Yeah. From But from my health standpoint, I'm using the same saran wrap that the bum before me was using, you know? So what is that helping? At, uh, yeah, I, I have sympathy for the business owners that have to comply with the rules that are being set. Because at the end of the day, I was at uh, um, a place here in Old Town Scottsdale called uh, Barrio Queen, right? And well, yeah, I guess I'll share it anyways. But anyways, they, they require face masks right now. And the uh, manager wouldn't let us in because we didn't have a face mask. But she was actually also chilling too and said, look, I don't want to do this. You think we want to turn away guests? You think we want to turn away customers with everything going on? Like... It's just what they're telling us. And if we get caught for, you know, not complying, we could risk our restaurant license. We could risk a lot of things. Mm. So I have actually two extra masks in the back. Can you please just put them on really quickly, walk to the table, and then you can take them right off. And I was like, how dumb is that? But yes, because you explained it that way and because it's not you, it's other people, I 100% agree. I just don't want to comply to what's being set because it's honestly, in my opinion, like I agree with you too, it's, it's retarded, dude. Yeah. Yeah, but I have sympathy for the business owner because if they don't comply with it and tell their customers to do this, they risk maybe going out of business or being fined, which right now you don't want to get fined, especially with everything going on, especially if you're a restaurant and people are already coming back to eat, but they're still scared to eat. Like, come on, dude. Did you hear about um, like Old Town Scottsdale nightclubs getting in trouble? I heard someone told me that the other day they got closed again. Is that true? I don't know if they got closed, but Kate told me that they... Um, we're like warned, like, hey, if you don't start following these regulations, we're going to like sue the fuck out of you and shit. But dude, what are they going to do? Require face masks when everyone goes out and rages? Like how imagine people taking shots or swigs from the glasses every single time pulling their, ma their mask down, right? Yeah. Is that like, is that what's going to have to happen? Yeah. I don't know. I'll be honest. I haven't been to Old Town Scottsdale in a minute. Yeah. Last time I went was last month or like two weeks, two weeks, yeah, two weeks ago and a month ago or something like was that. Was there a lot of people? Yeah, a month and a half ago, it was a lot of people, and it was fun. Yeah, um, that's when everyone was. That's when everything started finally feeling like it was normal again. Yeah, everyone started going out. Uh, people were being a little bit more cautious, but it was sick. It was like, okay, yes, we're starting to get back to normal, right, or whatever normal was. And then now I'm hearing that the cl their clubs are closed again, and I'm wondering what's next. Like because at the end of the day, I've accepted like masks are here to stay. There's gonna be people wearing masks from now till forever because of this situation. So it's the new thing that we have to get used to. But my next question is how far is it going to go? Like, are we going to be required to wear masks forever? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Things are changing, man, really fast. Yeah. I mean, I know it's easy to f stay in fear because we're so 
in the weeds and we're so close to it right now. But it's like, I'm even trying to future pace. Like how long is this going to go on? What, in what realistic way is this going to go back to normal anytime soon? Yeah. And I just, unfortunately I can't picture it. It's mm. crazy. I see people like even me thinking about when I was heavily going out to the clubs four or five times a week, bro. Yeah. Like I would approach random girls. I would make out with random girls. Right. <laughs> That's not happening today. Yeah. Hell yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. No. It's just like, when, when are people going to be able to make out in the club again? Make it back to normal. I want people to be kissing each other and shit. <laughs> is it going to get to a point where if you are in a club and you're with your significant other and you start making out with them, it's against the law to do that because of the risk of passing off mm. germs to other people? Is that how far we're going to go? Were you right? the person on your Instagram story who was like uh, talking about should you be forced to wear a face mask or should it be your choice? Someone was doing that. I reposted someone else posting that and I was basically sharing it for everyone to think about because yeah, it's like masks are now required by law when you go into restaurants. Right. And I think it's also you and your right as a human to decide if you want to wear a mask or not. If you want to take that risk and wear and don't wear a mask because at the end of the day, but then here's the other side of it. It's like, okay, if you don't wear a mask, are you putting the risk of others more at risk? Right? Yeah. So it's like, ah, I understand, but yeah. I don't agree at all. And what's the, what's the best solution? I think right now as a human and everyone's humans, right? I don't want to wear a mask. I, that's my risk. If I get sick, I get sick. Right? I think that should be the decision. Maybe that's selfish or whatever, but that's just what I think. Um, I think it should be everyone's decision. I don't think you should be forced by law to wear a mask. If it's at the safety of your own risk, well, let me take that risk, dude. If I don't want to wear a mask, I don't want to wear a mask. I'll, if I get sick, that's on me. Let's, let's do it like that. Yeah, I agree. They can't force, they shouldn't be able to force you to wear a mask. But I also see from like a government standpoint, how it's probably really tough to be in that position. I wouldn't want to be president right now. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like Joe Rogan says this all the time. He's like, dude, the presidency is so stupid. Like the, the, the having one president is so stupid. And, and just like the definition of a mastermind in the book, Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill talks about the, the formation of a mastermind, form a board of advisors, people you can pass ideas from, right? More than one person, which is technically what happens, but why don't we all come together? Actually, I was talking with Ryan O'Donnell about this the other day. He said it, he goes, if the world was ran as if, uh, we were coming together to decide on solutions to the problems together on what's the best case for everybody a lot more would get done in the world, like with the United States, with the whole world in general. So yeah. how can we focus on the solutions to the problems? Are these the best solutions to these problems, right? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. And I don't necessarily blame one person, like just the president or just the the uh, senators of the, of the certain states, because, dude, they don't, who knows what we're really doing? Who knows? Do they know what the hell they're yeah. really doing? They're just taking advice from other people too. It's like, man, I don't know if I can blame one person, but a lot of the things that are coming off right now are just, I... I don't know how far this is going to go. Dude. Yeah. Here's what's crazy about all the madness going on in the world right now is like, I think all of this is just showing and highlighting exactly how flawed our, <clears throat> our economic system is not saying it's wrong, but it's a man-made creation. And by definition, like if it's man-made, it's not going to be a hundred percent perfect. And <laughs> what I like to think of is like, yo, uh, we clearly, Fuck, I forgot. I lost my train of thought. We were talking about, uh, <clears throat> I, I was sharing about uh, people, <clears throat> more more than one like board of advisors for the presidency or whatever. Yeah. You were going on a, a tangent of 
Damn it, I forgot to actually. <laughs> I was trying to save it. I was trying to save it, bro. We, we're over two. This is what happened. So earlier this week, um, I saw a brain scan by Dr. Amen. Uh, and I've talked yes. about this before. You shared that on your story. I did. It and I was watching me. each of them and I was like, oh man, interesting. Yeah. Because it's like, at first I was like, yo, Dr. Amen is clearly biased. I was watching his podcast. He was like, um, THC, CBD, it's all bad for you. And then he said... I've never taken any of it. And I'm like, yo, oh, are really? you qualified to give that uh, based off of you've never experienced it? You don't know some of the benefits because you've never tried it. But also he is the guy taking the brain scans, right? And if he's looking at the data, the the pictures I saw originally that even made me question if I should quit or not. Mm -hmm. And I actually had my girl lock away all the stuff um, until further notice and hide it to where I don't even know where she locked it away. Wow, that's um, powerful. Because I had a vape pen and you know but as well as I do, if I'm just bored, I'll just... Oh, the vape pens are dangerous, dude. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. And um, <clears throat> there we go. A little technical difficulty. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways... The pictures he was showing, like the healthy brain versus the marijuana brain, a lot of them were also coming from the frame of, hey, this is a 16-year-old who uses it heavily. This is an 18-year-old who uses it heavily. Mm. And so me, I know that the brain isn't fully deformed, your prefrontal cortex, until age 25. Um, I learned that in anatomy and physiology. And in fact, that's why you can't rent a car until you're 25 years old, which even to me is crazy. It's like if your brain isn't fully formed until 25 and they won't let you rent a car for insurance purposes because of that, then why the hell do they let you enlist in the army, drink marijuana or drink alcohol, buy cigarettes? You don't know any then. better yet, then, bro. Exactly. You don't know any better. And so I was like, "You're still fresh. You're still you're still optimistic. You still haven't been sold the the the, the that nothing's possible. You still haven't been programmed to believe that your dreams are are, are fucked, dude. Yeah. They can get you when you're still. Ah, I could do this. Yeah, hey, you do this though. Yeah. You know, do this. Yeah. And That's so I, why, why can you buy a gun at 18? Exactly. And not 25. If your brain's not fully developed by 25, that's interesting. And so I was like, maybe this is biased. And also you got to think about what are the other things that the, that person who smokes weed every day at age 15, 16, 18, yeah. what else are they doing that's not healthy for their brain? Yeah. You know, but also the, the one I posted on my Instagram story the other day, that one was the first one I saw that was different. This is 20 years of a heavy user versus mm. a healthy brain. Yeah. So anyways, it's really interesting. And but, so ever since then, I started losing my train of thought more now that I'm trying to come back to like full-time sober you know <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious let me ask you this though what defines a heavy user according to that study though because is it the guy hitting the vape pen every day or is it the guy hitting the vape pen five times a day right mm. or is it the guy that's hitting the vape pen once a month right what's that heavy user yeah. i guarantee you it's not a, well for it's not dr a amen who never has used it once he probably thinks once a week is probably heavy use now i wonder uh, you're probably right and i wonder if dr amen's coming because well, everyone's biased to some sort of extent on on which way they lean yeah i'm not saying that he's biased because he hasn't smoked weed but he's probably just i hope coming from a subjective standpoint of look this is just the data i'm just reporting the data yeah. based off what i'm finding right but there's a lot of layers to this mm -hmm. he's never done it so he doesn't like you said maybe uh he's never experienced the health benefits that other people get from smoking marijuana here's how inexperienced he <clears throat> is on using it is when he was talking about it on his podcast he was talking about cbd as if it's as bad as thc mm -hmm. and he said the only only difference between them is that one CBD is not psychoactive. Yeah. And it's like, yo, you ha having not taken CBD and having not taken THC, I don't think you're qualified to speak about the effects on your body. You can yeah. talk about the effects on the brain scan. I'm happy with that because yeah. you're a brain scan expert. Other than that, until you've tried it, don't give me that shit because that's your opinion.
I, I agree to a certain extent on that for sure. It's like take the data, but also be someone willing to to uh, split test that data with your own self and get your own opinion. Because I know for a fact, like, dude, when I smoke weed, uh, I can start feeling like these certain pains and uh, misalignments in my body more. I can become more present with my my thoughts by realizing the thoughts and how many thoughts I'm having at a certain moment on a certain day. Like it actually becomes more clear for like certain things for me. Right. Mm. I notice more pain in my body. I become more focused on, um, uh, my internal thoughts and uh, programming my mind for what I want to accomplish that day, becoming more clear. So there's a lot of benefits for me for, for smoking marijuana, but I also want to, uh, put up the other thought that like, okay, now what if in that study was a heavy marijuana user like Joe Rogan, right? What if Joe Rogan was in that study? Joe Rogan, dude, has been smoking weed for a long time, I think, right? Yeah. But he's also one of the most successful guys in the world right now. Just signed a $100 million deal with Spotify. He's a very good advocate of marijuana and the benefits that comes with it because he always talks about the the constant shit going on in our head and how you got to get rid of that. That's why he always trains on that uh, stair stepper, right? And, yeah. and does the long cardio 45 minutes because he wants to do all these. Like that guy, even though he may be a heavy marijuana user, also is one of the most successful people out there. He's one of the most disciplined people out there, one of the most healthy people out there, and he's preaching all of these great things, but he's also a heavy marijuana user, yeah. right? How's his brain? I think it's pretty good, right? Yeah. What if you could smoke weed a lot, and I'm just thinking out loud here, what if you could smoke weed as a heavy marijuana user with those brain scans that you should end up with, but you're also meditating 20 minutes a day? Yeah. You're also hitting the sauna every single day, working out every single day, maybe uh, reading books once a week uh, or, or every single day and adding a book to, a week to your to your knowledge base. Then is your memory going to go down that road? What are the variables of these people and what are they doing on a daily basis? Yeah. Because if a mar heavy marijuana user is just going to smoke weed all day long and watch TV and eat like shit and not work out, then I want to see what his scan looks like compared to someone like a Joe Rogan heavy Who's marijuana super user. Super health conscious. That's what I want to know, yeah. right? That's what I want to figure out. Yeah, it's definitely hard to draw conclusions from a picture on Instagram because you're not getting context. And like you said, you don't know all the other things that that person's doing in their exactly. life. And I've met the people in high school when I was in high school and not using weed at all who were heavy marijuana users. Those people are doing a lot of things that they shouldn't be doing. <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them. And it goes back to the point because they're so young, they start doing it right. And then they like it. Maybe maybe they don't really have much going on in their life and everyone's different. And then they start trying other, other drugs, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, dude. One of the parallels I've seen between joe rogan's marijuana use in mine is that we both started smoking later in life and i actually made this a pro in versus the pros and cons in my own head before mm -hmm. i started smoking is like hey i'm like 27 years mm -hmm. old my brain is fully formed theoretically by this point so yeah. i'm not gonna face the negative effects of having a an, a mouth a malformed brain you mm -hmm. know um another thing that really kind of stood out to me about dr amen first off I'm not biased against him. No, his yeah. picture got me to literally stop smoking weed this week and, and indefinitely, mm -hmm. right? Um, but another, I saw a video he posted literally yesterday talking about yes, we now know the some of the long term effects of anxiety and depression and stress on your brain. So you should just not be stressed or anxious or like. And I'm like, yo, I suffer from like really bad anxiety at mm -hmm. times and stress, mm -hmm. and it's due to finances. And here's the thing, my finances are great, yeah. right? But it's ingrained, it's so hardwired into you that it's yeah. like, bro, just like CBD and THC, if you're not experiencing stress and anxiety, you saying, 
it's bad for your brain. Just stop being anxious. It doesn't work like that, motherfucker. Mm. You know, so there's a lot of things that you can question what someone says and their authority to speak on it. Just because someone's a doctor doesn't mean that they are qualified to know everything about everything. And this is another thing with the whole ancient civilizations thing. Uh, Clark got me down on the rabbit hole on that. I was watching a uh, a video from this guy. I forgot the, I think it's Bright Insider or something like that is the name of the YouTube channel. He has like 600K subs, but he talks about ancient civilizations. And he was actually a guy who enlisted in the army, got sent over to Iraq, and he's taking pictures with his digital camera of all these like ancient structures that have since been destroyed because of the war in Iraq mm. that have been around. And these are like some of the things that support the debate of like ancient civilizations longer than we've been known around, been or being around or whatever. And uh, he talks about them saying that for you to suggest that this might have been part of an ancient civilization is he, he says it's called fringe science and basically way, the way he was saying that is like if you're a scientist and these are your conclusions from your experiments mm. and studies this the moment you publish that it's fringe science so the scientific authorities will make you look bad uh. and i'm again why should someone have so much authority mm. because they're on a committee somewhere to where they can say i don't agree with yours that's my opinion, mm -hmm. and I don't agree with it. Therefore, it's irrelevant. Mm. So I think even now, I think this is kind of the point where I lost my train of thought. I don't care who you are, how high up in government you are. All of this shit is man-made. Committees, economic systems, <laughs> right? It's all man-made, and it's yeah. all just people saying, I'm right, you're wrong, you're right, I'm wrong. It's all opinions yeah. based on circumstantial evidence. I think if anything, we should realize right now in 2020 that – Maybe everything isn't perfect. And yeah. maybe things that, the, even though it's been done this way for decades and decades and decades, it can still be improved upon. And just because someone has a, a title under their name or they're on some committee somewhere, they shouldn't have the right to discount or make something the the thing that everybody focuses on, yeah. you know? Yeah, and it's true because your experience with marijuana or CBD is 100% different than Dr. Amy's experience because he's personally never tried it. Not that that's a bad thing, but it helps you deal with your anxiousness Anxiety, for and sure. your stress and your worry on a much better basis than just uh, not um, using marijuana or CBD to relax. And, and when you when you find yourself not on this this substance, you are maybe a little bit less uh, less focused, less clear, less present, and you're just not in a good state of mind. But when you do smoke it, it helps you relax, helps you calm down. So that's where, like you said, and I agree with with what you said, is like it's subjective on the person because everybody reacts to certain chemicals differently everybody's in a certain place of life that's different than others and what works for someone else might not work for you but it but it works for you it works for you and that's what that's what's working yeah. you know um and this is actually funny kind of a side tangent because i was just thinking of this as you were talking about it i read this uh, this guy named uh ed Lattimore on twitter he always constantly tweets this thing like once every month he's always like look all i'm saying is i've never uh all I'm saying is you got to work like a crack addict. Tell me a day you've seen a crack addict not work to go get more crack. <laughs> and he's like, I've also seen crack addicts uh, get hit by police cop cars and keep on running from the cops. Tell me about that superhuman strength. Like he's like making jokes about crack addicts. And at the end of the day, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay, well, crack's a very bad substance, right? According to a lot of things. And yeah. just common trends with people that smoke crack. It's not good for your health, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But that crack addict, all he wants is more crack. And he goes out and finds a way to get more crack. And then, you know, most cases, these people that keep smoking crack, they usually end up dying. But he's so focused on getting more crack, and that substance is helping him get more crack. Does that say crack's bad? Well, 
Yeah, you get what I'm saying, yeah, though, right? It's yeah. like everybody's substance uh, substances affect people differently. But uh, at the end of the day, all that guy wants is more crack, and he's using crack to get it. Yeah, so it's working. It's him. kind of like a similar argument. I heard I heard someone <laughs> saying this is like if you struggle with confidence and you go, I, I'm not confident. How do I improve my confidence? It's like, well, you are confident because you're confident that you're not confident, right? And so, like oh, a wow, crack yeah. addict, he's like a crack addict, but the determination to get yeah, cracked. Yeah, yeah, what yeah, if yeah. he applied that determination somewhere saying. else? That's what I'm saying, dude. <laughs> if his main goal wasn't to get more crack and he used that same determination to go get other shit, if the crack was helping him, yeah. and it's a little bit different. If he had that same determination to make money in legal ways, yeah. yo. Like, yeah, dude. I, there's one dude, um, Mike Malak, who's the co-host of Impulsive. Mm. Um, oh, okay, okay. Logan Paul's yeah, friend yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Same type of story. He had a heroin and opioid addiction really? and he wrote a book about it, but he's completely sober now. Rehab, crazy story. But he kind of applied the same determination and go get it attitude yeah, yeah, yeah. towards building a following on social media, writing a book, promoting mm-hmm. the book on Amazon, right? Selling merch. Mm-hmm. And now the guy's crushing it yeah. and he's sober. Um, but I also see it's it's a little, again, it's, it's not as black and white. Just like Dr. Amen is shouldn't be qualified to just say, Hey, anxious is being anxious and depressed and stressed is bad for your brain. So don't do it. All right. It doesn't work like that. Dr. Mm, Amen. Yeah. Same thing with crack. And I've never done crack. I never want to do crack. In fact, I have a, I wouldn't say a phobia, but I have a weird thing. Even though I have a big nose, I have a deviated septum. So I've always had trouble breathing through my nose. Mm -hmm. And so I've always hated anything in my nose, boogers, anything. I will never inject anything up or like inhale anything up my nose, a, a substance, especially. So I'll never do crack. Uh, ever. Right. But even from marijuana, I know that I suffered from withdrawals, not even just this week, but on a regular, like before when I started smoking, if I went a whole long streak where I'd smoke every day, even if it was just a little bit, Mm -hmm. the moment I run out or the moment I don't smoke, I get nauseous in my stomach. Mm. My, my, I like literally get diarrhea. I get headaches. Mm -hmm. I can't think straight. Mm -hmm. It, you get withdrawal. So there's definitely pros and cons to all of this. And yes. I'm not saying, and I'm not even pro weed. Yeah, <laughs> Again, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying it's a subjective experience. I enjoy my experience on it, especially from a anxiety relief yeah. standpoint mm-hmm. and from a creativity standpoint, mm-hmm. but I definitely see the pros and cons and I've definitely gone through phases. Yeah. Phases to where I realize I'm lacking motivation. Yep. I'm eating shitty. I'm not as lazy. I'm not as produ- I'm I'm more lazy. I'm not as productive because of the weed use. And so definitely there's there's a line mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. But you got to be self-aware about it. Self-aware is the most important piece because just a few months ago I took a 30-day uh or a 90-day break um from uh, from from marijuana and it helped me get realigned and refocused and clear on my next steps because I was actually smoking weed not to uh use it as a tool to help me relax, relieve stress, uh, be less anxious, be more focused. I was actually using it as an escape mechanism to cope with the fact that I wasn't taking enough actions every single day and making enough progress that I should have made in my life to be a little bit farther where I wanted to be, right? And I was procrastinating I was uh, uh, using it as an escape mechanism, not as a tool to help me achieve those same benefits we talked about today. So there is certain points of your life where it can be a quote unquote bad thing because you're you're less focused and you're less driven, you're less motivated and you're just using it as a way to like procrastinate and escape and like watch funny things and shit. So there is there is both lines and I 100 percent agree. Speaking of this is very relevant because it just happened. But like the other day you gave me a shout out on your Instagram story for selling fifteen hundred books in like the last month. Good shit, by the way. Well, the the story that nobody knows, even you behind that is 
I'm sober now and I'm not using the weed to help me overcome yeah. some anxieties. Right. And so when I look, which at by my, the way, real quick, I, I don't want to interrupt yeah. you, but you being aware of the fact that like, uh, you, you, you taking information from like, let's say Dr. Amen, cause what we've been talking about, you seeing that picture and saying, you know, I'm not going to smoke weed for a while. Yeah. Like that has, I have a lot of respect for you for that because even though you're not biased towards pro weed or you're not biased towards no weed, you found some data and you said, Hey, I'm going to try it for myself and I'm doing it. And now you're doing it which right. is awesome, dude. Most people don't do that. They're like, no, I don't believe that. I'm going to keep doing it. Fuck that guy. He's wrong. Uh, blah, 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 blah. But you're like, let me just try yeah. this for myself. See what happens. Well, what most people don't realize, especially if you started hearing me talking about weed on my podcast, is for the first 26 years of my life, I was anti-weed. Mm. I had friends that smoked weed, and I saw them. One guy got kicked off of D1 football team when he oh, was wow. number one string on the fucking death chart yeah. as wide receiver. Kicked off at number one string because of partying. And then right after that, he starts smoking weed. And to this day, he's a chronic weed user all day, every day. He's high. He probably smokes an eighth of weed a day. Wow. And so, and. But is he really good at football? Uh, he was, he's still athletic. He's still naturally athletic. Um, and he's, he crushes it. He makes like 200 grand a year in his yeah. business. Um, but he's just high all day. And Antonio Brown, fuck. dude, got like six, six marijuana violations. I think for the Steelers for like the page, he was almost signed by the Patriots, but dude, yeah. dude loves, dude loves weed. Also dudes, a great wide receiver, yeah. but also he's gotten into uh, trouble with the law lately, but that's still, still a great wide yeah. receiver. Uh, Sean O'Malley, super pro weed. Uh, one of the best UFC fighters in the world in the Bantamweight division. Right. So it's like, yeah, like weed has, it's like you're saying. Same with Megatron, bro. You remember Megatron? Uh, I forget his name. Fuck. What's in deep? Uh, he was on the Detroit Lions. Badass wide receiver oh, uh, from uh, Detroit Lions. Oh, yeah. Um, sorry. Chad Johnson? Uh, no. no, not Chad. He, he's the Bengals, bro. No, fuck. You're thinking Ocho Cinco. Anyways, Megatron. Totally butchers that guy's name. name. Yeah, yeah. I, I have no clue why. I'm a huge football fan. It's just, it's it's, his name escapes me right now. God, I feel like it was, I thought uh, I was so sure it was Chad Johnson. No, nah, I said it so quick. <laughs> nah. What is that guy's name? Now, um, it's, now it's killing me. Well, his me. nickname is Megatron. So okay. people definitely, if you yeah. watch football, you'll know who I'm talking about. I watched uh, kind of like why he retired. He retired in his prime in 2015, right? But it's because he was having to take two, like, uh, I don't know if it was oxytocin, but it was like some, one of those huge prescription painkillers. Mm. The, the Detroit Lions were just giving these pills out like candy to these guys, right? And he would have to take two after every game just to be able to continue. Um, and so he started going towards weed and started getting in trouble because of weed. And it's like, but that was a more natural kind and of the prescription painkillers were legal and the weed wasn't. It wasn't legal technically, but the team doctor was just like, hey, here's the fucking oh, bag. Oh, um, I, I don't want to put him on blast. So let's cut out his name yeah. if you're in edit in post. But I was at a steak dinner with him um, at this mastermind, Bedros Koulian's mastermind. Mm -hmm. And he was saying when he was on the Saints, the year that they won the Super Bowl, um, that it was like candy. They just passed around this big bag in the locker room. Like and you Shut could take whatever you wanted out of the bag, dude. bro. Just prescription drugs. Prescription drugs. Yeah. Just like candy. You can grab it and just. They, they it would be a big ass like Halloween bag. Like. All right, here, here you go, bro. Take what you want and pass it down the line. What? Yeah. That's insane. These guys are going through so much fucking rigor in their oh, body. I know. I can know? imagine, dude. They're like basically car crashing into each other every single day. They're practicing and especially even more so during the games when they're actually really trying. Yeah. And so I've seen football players, I think on like a few YouTube videos talking about how they transitioned from opioid, or sorry, not opioid, uh, prescription painkillers to uh, marijuana and it's been helping them so much more. They're not experiencing all these other side effects that the painkillers were causing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> weed has its benefits and it has its, uh, 
you know, downsides. But I all think I think it comes back to being self-aware of when you're using it as a tool to uh, achieve a certain thing, such as relieve anxiety and stress. And when you're becoming dependent upon it so much that you just want to use it to like procrastinate and like not do other shit. Mm. Oh, yeah. So that reminds me of the fucking original point here. Um, when I sold 1500 books, keep in mind, I haven't been smoking any weed this week. Yeah. And so um, I'm having to now deal with things that I was not having to deal with because oh, wow. I was smoking weed. Right. Yeah. And so when I realized that it was actually a negative experience for me because I was, Chris is handling all like the, the back end with the books and stuff right mm -hmm. now for me. And so I looked at my credit card statement. I'm like, yo, why did this company charge me for 1500 books since like the beginning of, of May or whatever, mm -hmm. like a uh, give or take 30, a couple weeks on the 30 days. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I realized the next day after sleeping on it, yo, I've sold 1500 books in the last 30 <laughs> days. What the yeah. fuck? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's interesting that we're talking about weed and how it helps you overcome anxiety and stress. But at the same time, is it more of like a blanket kind of like band-aid solution to mm. some of that stuff? And I think, uh, if you, if you do suffer from anxiety and stress, I wouldn't say weed is a solution. Yeah. It definitely helps though. Yeah. And then making, I think what more than anything, you made the commitment to like stop and you noticed, Oh shit, I sold 1500 books. I've also been sober. I'll be honest. I kind of had a little mani mini panic attack when I saw how much this book company was charging me every day. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, it's a great thing. But then you're like, holy shit, they just charged me a lot of money. Yeah. Like that's what people don't realize too, is like when you buy my free book, it is legit free. Cause I'm I'm yeah. paying a company to print these, store them, take it off the shelf to and ship yeah, it ship to you. It, yep. And so I literally about break even on every sale. It, it is legit free. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing. All you people who want to complain, hey, it's free. Why do you charge seven bucks for shipping and handling? Well, would you rather me charge you 27 bucks for a book like at Barnes and Noble? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're getting a discount. And more importantly, what's in that book is at least 10 times worth than what you're paying for it, if not a hundred times worth. Just ask these dating coaches popping off on TikTok who are copping in my sales pages, bro. <laughs> I, dude, that's we won't wanna, we won't say his name. You want to talk about that, dude? Because that's pretty interesting. If that's we a talk great about it, I don't want to put his name out. Yeah, there. of course. Okay, so l let them know what what the laydown. Let them know what's going on. So my buddy Clark, who's been on the podcast before, texted me this morning, and I'm waking up and I'm working on the business, and I know Brian's coming over for a podcast, and this detracts the first two hours of my day because he goes, yo. Hey, this guy's on TikTok. By the way, Clark started to TikTok like three weeks ago. Already has fifty k. Fifty k, right? Yeah, Insane. and so he's he's deep in the TikTok. Like, how do you grow your business on there? He goes, "Hey, this guy's blowing up on TikTok. He's a dating coach or whatever. Uh, someone who you definitely like could." potentially model if you wanted to get on TikTok. Yeah. First off, I have no intention on going to TikTok. <laughs> but second off, I was like, I'll check it, check out his stuff. I watched a few of his videos and I'm like, why does his advice sound similar to mine? Even mm. in the way he would describe different situations, I'm like, yo, that's kind of the way I describe the situation. Mm. And so I clicked on his sales page and I opted into his sales page to see what his, he was offering or whatever. Motherfucker did not, he, not only did he copy the words for my sales page yeah. he screenshotted it and just put it on his sales page and i'm not talking just one or two things i'm talking all the relevant images yep. and headlines from yep. my sales page on his minus a lot of the copy right yeah. but the images the headlines even the price point and i'm like what the fuck and it's like it's not one of those things where you can go Oh, he kind of, maybe he had a similar idea. No, it's verbatim. Mm. It's the same image and it's, it's even not even well done. It's a screenshot to where he put it on his sales page and now it's lower resolution than the original image. Yeah. Like, like almost like a desktop screenshot and then just dragged it over to the page. Yeah. It doesn't even fit formatted well on his page. <laughs> like, so yeah, at, 
I, I wrote something on this little whiteboard over here, create faster than they can copy. I'm already on the up and up. Mm -hmm. So if he's copying me, I just know he's automatically behind me. Right? And we talked about it before the podcast started too. It's like at the, at the same time, it's kind of a compliment towards you yeah. because of how great your your offer is for guys out there to get your, to get your product, right? And it's so great that this guy's like, I'm going to just copy it because yeah. it must be crushing for him. I'm but not even going to try to model it. I'm just going to. Copy, copy it. it, right? Screenshot it and throw it on my page. Yeah, interesting. And that's where the whole like model what works gets kind of dicey because at one po at what point are you modeling and then at what point are you legit stealing, right? Yeah. So that's where we kind of started talking about it too because we we both I mean like there's people out there that'll rip a certain thing to the T but it'll be like for a different industry, right? Mm. They'll rip someone else's uh funnel or or you know structure of the way they're selling it, but they'll just put their own offer in it. And if they're not competing is that is that still modeling? Yeah. Or is that stealing still, right? I wonder if this guy was like, yo, I'm on TikTok. Patrick's not on TikTok. So maybe mm. it's okay because he'll never find out. Well, fuck, dude. I found out. Yeah. So what are you going to do now? And from a from a legal standpoint, because yeah. I kind of consulted with a few people who are not only copywriters, but also some legality people behind it. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, is it worth me pursuing legal action against this guy? I know he's making sales. Yeah. You know, I know he's crushing it with yeah. it. But it's mine, you know? Yeah. But at what point is it worth me detracting from what I'm doing yeah. to take legal action against him? And that's like a whole lawsuit. Is that worth it? I'll just say this. I politely asked him to take it down on Instagram DMs. His Instagram is private. And so we'll we'll see if he, one, even sees my message mm -hmm. or two, even does anything about it. But I just know I'm not okay long-term if this guy's profiting off of my work. It also, yeah, exactly. And it also comes back to another subject we talked about before where we also found out that, um, you know, people were copying other people's almost full event structures, right? Mm. And trying to do- Which also happened to me. Which exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. I didn't know if you want to talk about yeah. it. But we also found out that someone tried to quote unquote, rip the raw dating advice, key, forbidden keys to persuasion bootcamp model straight up. Seduction, not Sed persuasion. <laughs> Either way, it's yeah. going to work. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and um, run it on their own for their own business and their own company. And it's like, then we, we started talking about it. And I was, I was like, dude, at the end of the day, we were both agreed. We're like, they can try to do it on their own, but they, they don't even know. They're trying to just, they're trying to model it, but they don't know how to do it like we can do it. And even if yeah. they do it on their own, it's still not going to be as great as ours. Right. So sh then it goes back to like, should we even focus on it? Yeah. Or should we just keep doubling down on what's working for us and just full speed ahead? Right. It goes back to the Michael Phelps picture that you post a, on your Instagram a lot sometimes. Winners pay attention to winning. Um, losers pay attention to, to people winning or people winning or something. Yeah. Like that. First place doesn't pay attention to second place. Yeah. Second place pays attention. The Michael to Phelps place. quote where he's just too busy swimming. The other guy's looking at him while he's swimming. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. We experienced that with the event, my boot camp. Yes. Where another dating coach tried to verbatim not only copy the, the structure. The sales page, the sales copy, the way she sold it. Recruiting my team away from me. Taking the exact, yeah, taking the yeah. exact people that helped you film the event from you so they could film the event for them. And then she schedules her boot, her boot camp at the same time as my next one. Yeah. And then I reschedule mine and she reschedules hers at the time I reschedule. Like, it's shady, right? Yeah. But this is also on another level. But at the same time, with this sales page, the the screenshots he's putting on his, there's no context. The Even, like, one of the pictures was of a legit scientist mm -hmm. and I was using his research to back up a lot of the claims I was making. Yeah. He doesn't know that. He just screenshotted the fucking scientist and was like use the same, the copy next to it, but there was no context. There was no, he doesn't know that that was a scientist that I fucking, so it's like, 
they don't understand the methodology, the thinking, the why, the mm. the stuff behind the scenes that goes yeah. on and the choices I made, you yeah. know? And and I, I actually am guilty of this doing this before in the past. I actually was writing one of my offers for the, the Pectus Excavatum Physique uh, Blueprint, right, to help guys build muscle, especially if you have pectus. And I actually took an image that I thought was on Google because when I typed in Pectus Excavatum on Google, there was an image that, that came up that looked really easy to explain what I was trying to get the point across on my sales copy. I took it from Google and put it on my page. I actually got reached out to by someone that said, hey, I actually created that image, man. Um, um, do you mind just taking it down? I was like, Oh dude, yeah, totally down. Take it down. Yeah. Replace it with my own image. And I didn't know that it was actually someone's, you know, like he did it in his art illustrator program. I thought it was like just an image that was from like a, a government, uh, example in like a hospital or something, which I guess does that still count as taking an image? I mean like, yeah. well, I won't, I don't know. That is a totally different situation, but I'm actually guilty of doing that. So I'll admit that at, at some point, dude, um, I did it personally, but it's like, now, because of that event, I don't go out of my way to physically like uh, take someone else's shit. Like I'd just rather just come up with my own shit and explain it how I explain it. Right? Yeah. I'm not gonna rip someone else's stuff. It's unethical, dude. Yeah. It's unethical. It's gonna catch up to you. Just like he messaged me and you mess and, and you're messaging that guy trying to get him to explain what's up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not gonna dedicate a whole lot of time to it because after today, you know, I first off. I haven't even actively been promoting that that offer for mm-hmm. for a few at least a few months, six months or so, um, which also just goes to show like mine shit was around for years before mm-hmm. he even threw up his. Um, so I, I took down the sales page so he can't continue to look at it, and <laughs> it yeah. or anybody else. Um, and also we're we're revamping that whole offer. Yeah, it's you know it's so. it's outdated anyways. Dude. Yeah, he's getting the outdated shit. Yeah, exactly. He's getting bro. the outdated shit, and then and then you know once you revamp it, if if it's like verbatim again, it's like okay. This dude's definitely like, yeah. you know, doing some shady shit. I might actually throw this clip up on Instagram. And if my followers happen to know who he is, I'll just let them do the job of like, yo, what the fuck? You copied raw dating advice? Are you serious, bro? In no way are we promoting any sort of anyone to reach out to him. But if you do it, I won't be mad. Just don't tell us. <laughs> just don't tell us. Just do it on your own, bro. It's up. You are liable for your own risk. Message at DM, DM at your own risk. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I thought the guy seemed cool or whatever, but the second I saw that, I was like, wait, I wrote that. Wait, that's my image. Wait, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Interesting, yeah. dude. Um, But at the, at the end of the day, dude, you're, you're still going forward. You're pushing past it. That guy's, that guy's, that guy's playing catch up. He's trying to play He's trying catch to keep up. up. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, I understand at a certain level, because I've been doing this for for years. Yeah. Uh, over half a decade at this Which point. Which is how we started talking about this in the first place, because the last month you realized you sold 1,500 copies. And just four years ago, we were in your place at the Palladium where Yo. you were teaching me about what the hell sales copy was, and I needed a lead magnet. And I was like, this kind of seems, this kind of seems a little little sketch yeah. just because i didn't understand it i was like i don't know it seems a little little interesting yeah i didn't understand it but you were teaching me the, the ways of the land and you've been in this game for so long and i remember four years ago when we were in your place and you were telling me no i'm writing a book i'm reading this book right now called purple cow and i'm writing my book because no one in the in the, uh, the dating industry is selling a, a free plus shipping book offer to teach men how to be more attractive to women and i am and then, dude, four years later, you're selling 1,500 copies of it a month, and it's only going to continue to keep going. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is, like, we are just at the beginning. Yeah. It's, 1,500 is, like, what is that, like 50 a day? 50 a day? Yeah. That's not it, that much. But, dude, it's so sick because four years ago, we talked about it, and four years later, it's happening. That's the overnight success, right? It's like that's that's the overnight, quote-unquote, success, and yeah. not that, like, we're, we're successful where we want to be yet, but... 
that's essentially what's going to happen. Now it's just going to happen for both of us, especially you on a bigger scale as well, because it's like, especially when the revamped offer comes yes. out, that's my back end, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, fuck. I lost my train of thought again. Uh, this is that sober life. <laughs> Hashtag sober life, bro. <laughs> Smoke some weed, dude. Yeah. You'll remember better. I see someone in the comments. It's cause you stopped smoking weed. Yeah. Like, no, it's cause you are smoking weed. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I don't know. What else can we talk about, bro? Dude, there's so much to talk about, bro. Let's talk about, let's talk about fucking. This is what I was going to say. I've noticed with a lot of the people that I've had on the podcast so far, um, we're actually ahead of schedule. So some of the episodes we've already filmed won't be coming out for like two or three weeks, um, which is dope. But I've noticed I've been talking to people who have created a little bit of a level of success for them. Mm. And one thing that I'm realizing is most of us knew even when we weren't succeeding, we could feel deep in our bones that we would succeed. Yeah. And I, like, I wonder, is that common and how does that happen? And I've asked this pretty much on every podcast, like what causes that for someone? Yeah. Is that someone, is it just a self-belief creates that mm. or is it something bigger saying you're on the right path? Mm. You know, what do you kind of think about that stuff? Dude, I've, it's, it's, I can honestly say I've always visualized myself and success. I've always I've always imagined and played out as if I was talking to a crowd of people sharing my story and how they could do it too. I literally would catch myself in the mirror in the bathroom while I was growing up throughout middle school, high school, even college, even still to this day. And I was telling my success story to, this is how I pictured it. I always used to picture myself getting interviewed by Ellen DeGeneres, dude. My mom loved Ellen DeGeneres. She would always have Ellen DeGeneres playing when we would come home from school. And she would always, like, Ellen does this thing where whenever her show starts, she starts dancing with the crowd. My mom would always dance with her through the TV. And I was like, man, my mom loves Ellen DeGeneres so much, I'm going to get interviewed by Ellen DeGeneres. And I would always picture myself sharing my story and explaining the fact that I would talk to myself as if I was talking to Ellen DeGeneres while I was actually sharing it with her on her show and how deja vu that was, right? So I share that because I've always visualized a lot of the things that I'm doing today, a lot of things that have happened to me in my previous experiences, and it's all been like pre-framed or recorded in my head before it happened. And so I was actually talking about this concept with Ryan, our friend Ryan O'Donnell the other day, and we have a mutual friend who is pretty comfortable right now. He has a lot of great ideas, but he's comfortable and he's his back's not against the wall and his motivation isn't high enough to actually do everything he needs to do to make it happen quicker. He kind of wants it. He's kind of doing, he's kind of in and out. Right. And we were talking about this because it's like, what, what makes people different and what makes people succeed faster? Ryan, dude, what made him different was he just wanted to win, dude. He's a fucking winner. I'm a winner, dude. You're winner. Chris winner, right? Just people just want to win, right? There's people that just want to win. There's people that just talk about winning. And I think it takes at some point, I know for me, it took a chip on my shoulder. It took me not, um, maybe having uh, the, the blueprint given to me. So I wanted to change it for the better so I could live the life how I wanted to live based off who I who I looked up to. Same with you. You had you had a similar uh, hero's journey. You didn't come off with a tons of money, right? Yeah. This mutual friend of ours didn't come from a ton of money, but he had money growing up to where maybe it wasn't as big of a priority because it was always there, yeah. right? I think that has a lot to do with your experience and your drive for success mm. because I know uh, someone who once it bad enough is going to make it happen. Someone who's obsessed with making it happen. Someone who keeps visualizing it, keeps talking about it, keeps thinking about it, keeps taking actions every single day to make it happen. That guy's going to win, right? The guy who doesn't win is the guy who's like, well, maybe it'll work. I'm kind of cool. I'm kind of cool as I am right now. And that guy kind of usually maybe progressively gets better, but never at the the scale of the other guy who's obsessed with it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, so I guess that kind of 
answers it in a way. It's like you almost have to have a uh, you're back against the wall to where it has to happen, so you make it happen, mm. or you want it to happen so bad because you're not you've never had it happen before ever. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's I think part of the key is having your back against the wall because mm. like the specific moment I'm remembering, I was at a copywriting workshop that I paid. I don't know, 1500 bucks to go to when yeah. I didn't have 1500 bucks. This is after dental school. I got 150 K of student loan debt, no revenue coming in. Yeah. No, de no dental degree. And I'm still broke. And it's like a year later, but I'm at this copywriting seminar talking about my dating advice book. And I'm like, I just feel deep in my bones. This is going to work. Whether it's tomorrow yeah. or next year or next yeah. decade is going to work. And I'm like, I just know, like yeah. I, I can't explain it. I just know. So it's like, Maybe that is just a massive self-belief kind of mm. back against the ropes, refusing to lose yeah. type of thing. Or is it something that you just know, you just feel it and you can, you just know. I think it's a mix of both, dude. It's, it's something you can't explain, but it's also been proven before. And you, you have the formula of like, for example, what we're talking about right now with this example is the free plus shipping offer for your book, 107 proven ways to get the girl is a formula that can be written and can be proven through, uh, getting money in exchange for your book. Mm. It's it's a direct response principles. It's been proven. Direct response marketing works. Selling and advertising works. It's just cracking the code with your offer. But the thing you can't explain is the vision you had for it before, you know, the vision you had for it and how it was going to be, how it was going to work before you even had the pieces and the formula, you know, um, yeah. laid out. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like you had the vision now you just needed the, the the pieces and put them together. It's like a puzzle. I had so much conviction in the fact that I was going to, to succeed doing yeah. this that my mom came and helped me um, like move or something or like she just came and visited me after I dropped out. And this is when she's fully not supporting this. And there's a lot of weird tension between me and my mom because I mm -hmm. just dropped out of dental school. And I'm telling her, mom. I'm going to make a thousand dollars a day and then I'm going to scale it up to $3,000 a day. Dude, that's sick that you told your mom that. <laughs> I remember I was sitting at like Jack in the box, driving her to the airport. Cause we went to like a fast food place yeah. real quick before she left. Mm -hmm. And she just laughs at me mm. and it hurts so bad. Wow. But I just knew I was like, just wait. And I said this time next year, well, long story short, this time next year, I was still broke, but, um, it took what, two and a half years. Yeah. And then Oh, what, who's talking now? Right. Yeah. But it wasn't because I was trying to prove my wrong, mom wrong. I just knew I was mm -hmm. on the right path. I just knew I could feel it. Yeah. And to add to this point, I remember when we first met each other, it was at a cold calling job doing sales. Right. And we came connected because we both started talking. We both looked, uh, we listened to Grant Cardone because he was great at sales. Right. And he's one of the best out there in terms of content on sales. And we connected because of that. And then I remember you told me and our other friend that you were going to quit that job to, uh, work as a server at a, a part-time at a restaurant so you could spend more time working on getting your book and your business to work. And you did it like a week later. And I was like, holy shit, he actually did it, dude. And that's what's different than you and the person that maybe isn't where you're at right now. Yeah. They didn't do what they knew they had to do and they didn't do it when they knew they had to do it. Does that yeah. make sense? Like you did it at the time you knew you had to do it immediately like a week later you were done you were you, you took a part-time job and even though you were making uh, less money i guess you could say uh you had more time to focus on your business so that way right now at this very moment you could be in position you are in today to sell 1500 copies of your book because you took that risk four years ago to quit your job just like uh in my life i took that risk when i uh did door-to-door -door sales right and i and i wasn't seeing the success i wanted and i was like i need to find someone who knows how to fucking create an online business and who knows how to sell products online to help millions of people who's that 
that guy. Oh, there's that guy. I'm going to go work for that guy. And I made it happen no matter what. For the interview, I showed up at Dean Graziosi's office and I said, dude, I drove out here just for the interview. My shit's packed in my car right now. I'm I'm the guy. Yeah. I'm the guy. You said <laughs> dude, that to him? There's no other guy, dude. My yeah. car's in the my car's right here. I drove out from California this morning. I'm here, dude. I'm starting work tomorrow. Like, let's let's start tomorrow, dude. Yeah. I, I I'm committed, dude. Burn the boats. Yeah. And so, like, that's what's different. And you know what's here's the difference, dude. One guy I was rooming with at the door-to-door uh company. He was he was my he was my like my roommate. Um I had a twin twin size blow up air air mattress and he had his air mattress next to mine at this like uh california home in norba linda where we had 13 people living in that house only two bathrooms right door to door just hustling dude and he was like wait wait wait, you're gonna move out right now just for the interview tomorrow no no no, dude uh you don't even know if you're gonna get it just just drive out tomorrow morning take a few things and then come back and if you get it come back here bring all your stuff i was like no dude then that gives me an out yeah i'm still here i'm taking all my shit and I'm packing all up and I'm going all in right now. Commit first, figure the rest out later. Yeah. Like people don't Did do you that. have a place to already stay when no. you moved here? No, dude. <laughs> no. I was like, I'll figure it out. I'll sleep in my car. I'll sleep in my car, dude. I'll figure it out. Shit. Yeah. Damn. See, what what people don't realize about the story about me quitting the job at the call center, like like I said I would, I was like, Yeah, next week I'm out. <laughs> like I'm done. Um, and you I remember you and Ryan, different Ryan, was like, Okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. And I was like, you don't understand. I've already dropped the life I had. This this call center is the thing that was just helping me because I already made the tough decision, yeah, which was yeah, dropping yeah. out of dental school. Yeah. And so this also goes back to like I, I told this story um, to Mike Shower, I think a couple of podcasts yeah. ago, where I was like, "Yo, I love Mike, by the way, dude, so cool, so cool." And that was actually <laughs> one of my favorite podcasts too, along with yours, which also has the most views on the channel at Let's this go, point, baby. Yeah. Let's get this one up. Let's get this one up higher. This one's gonna be higher right now. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. A lot more, a lot more, t- lot more controversial subjects. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just started all my words there. I'm gonna keep going. Yeah. Just, just keep it rolling. Um, Lots of caffeine, mini me. Lots of caffeine. Speaking of, I got to piss here in a second. <laughs> Dude, I'll hold it down. Um, but, uh, oh, with him, I was telling him like, yo, I was at, I, when I dropped out to get a job at a restaurant or I quit the job at the restaurant, I had to take a quiz about the menu. Mm. And this girl who got hired at the same time was like, are you nervous for the quiz? Like, <laughs> Am I nervous for this stupid quiz at this stupid fucking restaurant? <laughs> As if it's so serious, but it, yeah, I mean, it kind of is, I guess. Yeah. If you care about that job, but you didn't give a fuck about that job. No That's fucks. why. No You're fucks. like, I don't give a fuck, dude. <laughs> what are they going to do? Fire me if I don't get the quiz yeah. right? You don't understand. Three, three months ago, I dropped out of dental school. Last month, I quit the you call You don't center. know me. Yeah. You don't know what I've been through. Yeah. You think I'm fucking scared about a fucking quiz? <laughs> fuck no. I'm scared about not making my book work. Yeah. What are you working on right now? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny I told that story to probably three people in the last few weeks, and yeah. you're the first person to have the same reaction that I had yeah. in the moment. It's like, fuck this quiz. Yeah. I'm not taking this quiz, and I'm still going to do my job, and I'm still going to work here. But just know, I'm quitting motherfuckers when my book takes off, yeah. which is basically what you did, and which is basically why you ended up getting let go from that manager who was younger than you. Same and, restaurant. Or yeah. who was older than you, actually. No, no, he was 20. I was 27. He was 24. This is a restaurant in Old Town. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Okay. And I told him I dropped out of dental school to start my own business. Yeah. And now I'm working here, so I'm working on that part-time too. Yeah. And he asked me, because I could tell this guy's demeanor, Old Town Scottsdale, he's the manager of one of these bar or bar and restaurants feeling in Old good. Town. He's feeling good. And he's, he's 24. Amped he's amped up. I'm 24. Yeah. I'm in Old Town Scottsdale. I'm the manager of this fucking restaurant. He thought this he was rolling right here. high, this right? This guy right here, new, new guy on the block. 
I'm the sheriff in town. Yeah. Now tell him what's up. And he goes, yo, so he, he asked me an interesting question. He goes, so what do you think is like the biggest thing holding you back in your business? I'm like, hey, good question. Mm. I said, probably I just don't have enough traffic. That's what mm. I said. And he goes, all right, well, what's your goals? What do you want to, what do you want to make? I said, well, right now my goal is to make 10K a month. And the, the look of just like shock on his face, it made him feel insecure. I could tell yeah, yeah. because from that day forward, um, Dude made my life hard working mm. at that restaurant. Hard as fuck. Mm. Because he was so insecure that my goals were way higher than where he's at now. And he thought he was crushing it. Mm. And maybe like a month later, I was out. Mm. You know? Because it was like, he was about to fire me. I said, no, I'm not coming there just so you can fire me. Fuck off. So like, you think he was doing everything he could from that moment to make your life a living hell. So that straight way up. he could kind of take his frustrations internally out on you? 100%. Yeah? Yeah, 100%. I almost punched the guy in the face. Well, it's <laughs> a good thing that you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that had to happen, dude. Yeah. 100% had to happen. Because if he didn't react that way... Like, I haven't been back since. And, and I remember when we were working for Dean, y'all were like, yo, well, let's go to this restaurant. I was like, I uh, probably shouldn't go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you explain the story. Yeah. Um, but I think, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I think regardless of whether or not uh, he was doing that, I, mean, I think you clearly know that he was doing it like um, out of... I don't know what the word is like uh, mil misintent or ill intent, right? Ill intent. Cause yeah. he was jealous or feeling some sort of way that he didn't agree with you. The guy's um, probably as a manager of a restaurant, never considered the fact that maybe he could make 10 K a month or maybe dude, just playing devil's advocate here. He was like, I'm going to push this guy. Cause he needs to get pushed to where he could fucking Hell quit no, this that's job. Not the I know, I know, yeah. but let's say regardless of what it was, yeah. you ended up quitting that job and you said, fuck it. I'm just going to make this work, dude. I'm just going to make this work. I don't need this restaurant job. Yeah. And he actually helped you get to where you are now faster. Yeah. So, Fuck a face mask. There's a lot of like times where I wonder, cause I, you hear in personal development all the time. Is it better to be motivated to go towards success or to go away from failure? Mm. And in my life, I've had so many moments of like going away from failure. That was like my key driver in that moment mm -hmm. to where I'm like, can you really say that with conviction? It's bad to be motivated by fear of failure. Cause like I even Dean Graziosi, perfect example. He was on a podcast and I saw the clip on his Instagram. Like he was like, you got to be motivated towards success. Yeah. I'm like, but bro, like I've mostly been motivated away from failure. Yeah. Does that make me wrong? You one could debate that all day. Yeah. And then here's here's another point to that, which Dean also says, uh, and this is true. It's like when the when the economy is going good, dude. People people are buying how to make money, right? They want to they want to do more. They want to scale. They want to grow, right? When the economy is doing bad. They're buying life rafts. They're buying life preservers. They're buying how to just how to how to how to maintain what I have right now without losing more. Mm. They're buying the how do I stay afloat in times of recession, right? They're not buying the I'm gonna make a how can I be a millionaire? They're not thinking about how they can make a million dollars. They're thinking about how I can just fucking survive, right? So to your point, it's the same exact thing. It's like, dude, some people uh, are motivated by uh, the fear of, of, of never making it or uh, the fear of running out of money. Some people are motivated by the fact that they just want to make a lot of money because they've never had it before or whatever, right? Mm. So there's different, I think there's different points, but I think both are necessary. And you need to have the fear of, fuck, I got overhead to pay. Fuck, I got employees yeah. to pay. Fuck, I got a higher uh, quality problems. Uh, yeah, you, you, when you hit, yeah, it's like, dude, the more money, the more problems. The more money, the more resources. The more resources, the more capabilities. The more capabilities, the more things you can do. The more things you can do, the more problems you'll have. It's all correlated. Yeah. It's all. What problems do you want? I I want to be having big problems, major problems. I I don't want my biggest problem to be, dude. How am I gonna pay rent this month? Yeah. Right. I don't want my. That, that's not my biggest problem. I've been there. Yeah. That used to be a big problem, 
right? Back when I was doing door to door, tapping in my savings account, just because when you do solar sales, you get a sale. Doesn't mean you get paid that day. Doesn't mean you get paid that week. Doesn't mean you get paid that month. It takes time to actually process the sale and go three months into where it's finally installed, eating in my savings account just for the sales to come in eventually, but some would get canceled, right? That's anxiety. That's stress. That's worry. And it's like, dude, my back's against the wall. How am I going to pay rent this month? Now I want my biggest problems to be, dude, uh, you know, how can I set my family up to be, to where they're they're financially free and they have they don't have to worry about a thing if they so choose to, right? That's a that's a big problem. Yeah, that's a big problem. I would rather have that problem than, dude. My biggest problem is uh, where am I gonna drink this weekend on a Saturday night? Yeah, bro. I think I think there's a lot of things that piss me off about 2020, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck a face mask, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Fuck an old dude trying to pick a fight at CVS. And then, dude, I was going to ask you when you told me you almost you almost punched the guy at the, the old town restaurant. Yeah. I was going to ask him if you asked that same guy at the CVS what you asked that, that guy. Would you ask him again? You're like, uh, you're like, bro, you want to get dropped or something? Nah. So the guy sizes up Kate. And yeah. I, the thing I realized I forgot to say is he was wearing a face mask standing in front of us. So he, he looks at Kate because he looks at me uh. and then he looks at Kate and he says it to Kate after sizing Kate up. He goes, you just back up. Something like that. And I said, yo, chill the fuck out. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask if yeah. you asked that restaurant manager. Nah, so yo, the, dude, chill the fuck out. Nah, nah, I didn't say anything to the restaurant manager. I was I was actually very nice to him. Do it again. Chill the fuck out. Do it again. Chill the fuck out. <laughs> yo, chill the fuck out. Um, the nah, look you had in your eyes the first two times, too. Nah, with, with, the, with the restaurant oh. manager, what specifically, like, I think the breaking point was... Um, because we worked in Old Town, right? And the restaurant is also owned by the same people who own half the clubs in Old Town. Mm, yeah. And so at the Christmas party that year, all the industry people from Old Town, we go and we, we're in this nightclub and it's only the people who work for that nightclub company. Mm -hmm. um, and it's open bar. People are going crazy. There's illegal shit going on in the club. Yeah. Not what, what would happen if it was like a normal club night with yeah. normal people in there. And this guy is like the manager of this restaurant, 24-year-old. And I'm basically sober at this Christmas party. And he's like being very aggressive with hostesses who mm. work at his restaurant. Mm. Basically like, on the verge of raping them. Oh, so like just overly sexual. They are afraid and crying of this guy, right? So. Um, little Me Too movement going on. Little Me Too. And I was, I was about to step in because I'm a dating coach, right? Yeah, dude. And I get disgusted when I see that shit. And I think. What I didn't actually, so after that experience, cause I was stepping in the middle of it. Um, and he was like trying to walk these girls out to an Uber. And so I went out to make sure he didn't get in the Uber with them. Yeah. The and only time cock blocking is appropriate, ladies yeah, and gentlemen, straight up. And so, uh, and so that after that day, I never got scheduled at the restaurant again. And I hit him up. I was like, yo, why, what's happening? Like I got bills to pay. Mm. And, uh, then he's like, Hey, come on down. I want to talk to you. I mm. said, fuck that. I quit. <laughs> so that was my last experience with him and ironically after my book took off uh he texted me i'm living in this apartment now and he texted me he goes yo uh come down to old town or whatever for the and i just block him i'm like how the fuck does this guy have the balls to fucking hit me up are you serious yeah like so yeah that was a negative experience i forgot Plot how twist, we got on that, that. that restaurant manager ended up being crystalia <laughs> to speaking of bro like speaking of, what do you think about that whole situation i mean if the texts are real the texts are real.
You know, I, I, I've been following Chris and, and the comedy scene and everything for a long time. Chris is one of my favorite comedians on other guest podcasts. When he's on the fighter and the kid, hilarious. Did you when, see his new, uh, stand up that came out like a month ago on Netflix? I didn't really like it. I liked it for about the first 15 minutes yeah. and then it just kind of got like, uh, I'd rather watch him on a podcast like the fighter and the kid as a guest. Mm. You know, he's dope on podcasts, his standups. I saw him live actually, I think a year and a half ago. Not, I think I did see him live a year and a half ago at, uh, I don't know what stadium it was downtown. It was a sick show. Super funny. It was awesome. Love seeing him live. I didn't really like his special though. But regardless, uh, it sounds like he likes younger women. It, at least it, it would seem he likes younger women on the verge of becoming legal. So, and I think a lot of guys maybe would never admit it, but they kind of, a lot of guys like younger women, right? But this guy, it seems like played a fine line of like, you know, some sketchy shit, right? Text yeah. on a lot of girls, maybe that were underage. Um, I don't know, dude. Let's see all the facts, but uh, it's crazy that he. I would have never expected Chris D'Elia to go through this right now. But like you said earlier, twenty twenty is getting insane, dude. Yeah. Anything's possible right now. Anything goes. What's crazy is, um, so I've been kind of following the Chris D'Elia situation, especially like this last week. Um, it is crazy because like he was on a show called You on Netflix. Have you seen that show? And he plays a pedophile. He plays a fucking pedophile yeah, who dude. like drugs these girls who come to his house party. And he's like a famous comedian. Yeah. He's playing himself, yeah. but a different name. He's like, you know? oh, you're gonna pay me to do what I do, anyways. Yeah. And that's look in his eyes too. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> and he has that smirk that he always does. <laughs> so that's like ironic, but then like I noticed within the last couple of days, Andrew Schultz, comedian, he came starts out with a, roasting yeah, him, yeah. bro. He's the only comedian right now just throwing throwing bombs at Chris yeah. just going in using it and they're as friends. material. Yeah. 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 But I think he's a, able to roast him now because I feel like I, I, at least what it seems like is Chris came out with because Chris has been dead silent. Yeah, he hasn't since said all anything. The, apparently he he's about to come out with some big shit mm. where it's the real conversations oh, wow. that prove that those girls edited it to make him look bad. And apparently what really happened and we'll see when it actually does come out and if it goes to court and shit, but apparently Chris D'Elia, it actually shows in the conversation. He asks, all right, wait, how old, how old are you? Mm -hmm. And if they say anything less than 18, he just gives them the deuces. Yeah. yeah. But then there is a text message where he gives them the deuces. And then two years later, he follows up, bro. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, That's what fucking Andrew Schultz said. He goes, yo, if you've been putting in that work since she was 16, you deserve that shit. <laughs> if, you're, if you're willing to talk, her, talk to her when she's going through the high school bullshit, yeah. just, to, just to get it two years later, then he's like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> you yeah. deserve it. I, I can see, but here's the thing, man, when you're, when you get into pickup as heavily as I got into pickup, mm. you like when I, before I got into pickup, I was a 24 year old guy or whatever, 23, 22, early twenties. And I'm thinking, yo, if you talk to any girl who's still in her teens, that's disgusting. Mm -hmm. Right. But when you get in pickup, you realize as long as she's legal, it's fine. You know, you can approach a girl. If she's 19. It's not bad for you to talk to her, yeah. you know? And so then I kind of started to overcome my limiting beliefs about that. And I still feel the same way. If you're going to say legally, she's legal at 18. If you can't get mad at me, if I'm hitting on a 19 year old, yeah. I'm just saying, but at the same time I was telling Kate this, like literally yesterday, cause I asked for her opinion. I was like, yo, when I was approaching girls in the club heavily old town three, four times a week, if I talked, I reached a point when I was 25, 26, if I'm talking to a girl and she tells me she's 22, instantly I don't want to talk to her because I just, there's a difference in energy and there's a difference in priorities. And I just, and it's not because like, oh, relation, no, not, that's not the priority I'm yeah. talking about. I'm just saying from a human to human standpoint, 
I have, I can't even have the patience to talk to a girl who's 22 and in the club because they're just like, ah, drinks. Oh, frat boy. Oh, athlete. You know? And like, I just can't, you know? And so at a certain point, my preferences evolved. Yeah. You know, it's a different level of awareness completely from a, a 21 year old to a 25 year old, right? Yeah. 21 year old still has maturity ha- level, Yeah, maturity level. Exactly. Right. And so yeah, I, I get what you're saying too. It's like, and at the end of the day, I think Chris D'Elia was hitting, like he has tons of girls who are, he has tons of fans who are girls, right? And a lot of them are, have to be, happen to be younger. He probably, that's why he's asking, Hey, how old are you? Tells them their age. All right, peace out. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes, well, this girl hit me up before she's legal now. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> want to make out there's right? nothing illegal about that there which isn't is why anything I'm illegal like... <laughs> about it which is why exactly yeah. it's like well he didn't do anything yeah. technically wrong yet that's proven but i can just picture him being like in a city right because as we know comedians who tour cities they just like musicians they go everywhere and everywhere and they go to the same same comedy clubs in it's the just same like states. half the dudes watching this if you go to vegas are you not getting on tinder if you go to la are you not getting on tinder real it's quick? like this dude in Air- when i went to arizona state university that uh, i knew someone i knew i knew this girl who uh was very public about how she slept with Easy, right and Jeezy came back multiple times to Tempe, right? When he when I went to Arizona State University, he played I think two different shows there. Uh, the first one I actually I went to both went to both shows. The second one was I was a little bit blacked out. My other friend puked on the, on the car ride there, didn't make it. My other friend got a, a DUI at the entrance because he tried to use a fake ID there. That's a whole another story. Regardless, I saw him twice uh, in Tempe live, and that girl uh, I'm sure probably you know uh, maybe hooked up with them both times, right? But it's like I use that example because. It's the same thing for like Chris D'Elia, right? He's a comedian. He's touring. He's going to the same spots. He knows a girl that lives there because that's where she was last time, right? He hits her up, right? He's like, oh, well, you know, it wasn't legal that time. Yeah. Two, <laughs> two years went by. Part I'm, of ba- I'm of back it. in New Mexico. She lives, like, let's just say, she lives in New Mexico. All right. And I'm not justifying that it was right at all. I'm just stating, you know, I'm just stating what's up. Yeah. Yeah, I think... If you're going to cancel someone, make sure that they did something that's actually against the law. And is that a lot of people are saying he's grooming these women in that case? I don't think he's grooming. He's just like following up. He's like, hey, you want to hang out this time? Yeah. Couldn't do it before. Yeah. Want to hang out this time? It's just like you were saying. It's like when you started getting to pick up, you realized anything legal is legal. Right. After 18, it's like, yeah, it may not be. It may not be. Uh, it may not be a ha- people may not be happy about it. People may not like it because they don't agree with it. But if a 45 year old guy wants to go out with an 18 year old or marry an 18 year old guy, mm-hmm. why is he not getting frowned upon? Right. Yeah. Crystalia just wants to hook up with 18 year old chicks, apparently. Right. Apparently, this is another thing that I they're saying is also going to be proven by Crystalia's transcripts that he's about to come out with is like sometimes some of these girls who are now trying to get him like in trouble. Um when he asked what their age was, if they were 16, uh, apparently they told him they lied. The, oh, I'm 24. You know, it's good. So if a girl's lying, that's a whole other issue too. Yeah. And that's, that's a, the main thing I hate about 2020 so far is like, now we're in a place where if you're an internet troll and you voice your opinion, even though you're 1% of 1% mm. of the people who follow that guy, People take what you say seriously, and rather than being innocent until proven guilty, now you're guilty until proven innocent, especially if it's a woman against a guy, mm. you know? Yeah. 
And that's that's what I'm not okay with. Yeah, because Chris D'Elia already got dropped from his agency, uh, the CAA, Creative Artist Agency, one of the biggest a agencies for comedians, for uh, artists, for just anybody who's anybody in Hollywood. And he got dropped. And technically, the facts of his side haven't even come out yet. But does that mean that they knew or the evidence was so clear that they're not telling us yet that they're just like, no, nah, we got to drop them. It's clear. It's clear cut. But I think it's actually the opposite. I think people are getting shunned from their thing a lot quicker because like you said, the trolls eat them, eat them up, create the headlines. And then before the facts come out, you're already done. Yeah. Your reputation's ruined. Here's the fucking absurdity about this shit. People will bash what the president of the United States says because they disagree with it. But one motherfucker who is a nobody sitting in their mom's basement leaves a comment on a YouTube video and everybody takes that seriously. Yeah. Can, can people not understand that their thinking is backwards? Yeah. And here's the thing. I don't think it's everybody. I actually don't think it's anybody. Yeah. I think it's a couple of negative comments on a Twitter post, on a YouTube video, whatever it may be. But then people respond, especially the person who put out the video going, thinking we have to do this because this is what everybody thinks mm. when it's not, when it's one motherfucker, yeah. you know? And so it's people's emotional reactions to what they think other people are thinking. And, but it's like, has an actual group of people who are organized who have like an LLC come out and said, we're following this lawsuit. No, it's just word of mouth. It's fucking hearsay. Yeah. And I think a lot of the accounts that actually accused him of things are anonymous, like faceless profiles, right? Just with screenshots and stuff. And I'm not saying that that maybe they obviously don't want to show themselves because they don't want the news getting out that it happened to them. But it's like, let's see, let's, let's see the facts. Let's see the facts. That's right. all I'm, that's all I'm saying is like, let's see the facts first, not defending him, not, not supporting him. I just want to know, I want to see how this plays out. Right. Yeah. I want to see how it plays out. And even to protect myself a little bit. Right. And it, the fact that I have to feel like I have to protect myself. Exactly, is dude. Thing, right. Exactly. Right. But it's like, you got to watch everything you say now, because everything you say, something can take, someone can take one little thing and say, Oh, he said that, so he means this. And then someone says, yeah, I think that too. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, it's not what I meant. Or and at the end of the day, it's just what I think versus what you think. Exactly, right? dude, exactly. And here's the thing. I don't think it's wrong for someone to come forward if they were wronged, if they were raped, whatever. You should have the ability to do that. But when you are making accusations against someone and it is not true, you are discounting the people who have actually experienced trauma like mm. that. You're discounting all the people who actually have the right to be doing that shit. But even those people... Twitter comments, YouTube comments, making a YouTube video bashing someone else is not the answer. If you were wronged, go to the fucking cops. Yeah. Right? As much as you hate the cops, especially in 2020, right? You want to defund the police. All right, great. That's a whole other issue on its own. But if you want to seriously tarnish someone's reputation, do it the legit way, mm, you know? Don't do it for the clout. Not for the clout. If you're going for the clout, I immediately lose respect for you. Trying to get a rise off someone else's downfall. Yikes. Yeah, if I was doing this for the clout, I would have called out the motherfuckers who copy my shit. I don't want to call them people out because I don't want their clout, even if they have more followers than me, you know? That's another shirt. I don't want no clout. I don't want the clout. Even for the followers, dot, dot, dot. Even for the followers, I don't want the clout. Yeah. Fuck a follower. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck a face mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want a follower. I want a team member, right? I want Straight someone up. on my team, dude. I want someone in the family. I want a family member. Mm. I want someone in it with me in the trenches crawling, dude. Just crawling like this and we're going to make it, bro. <laughs> like that, dude. Just going. Just going. Yeah. 2020, baby. Why The headline should be why 2020 sucks, but also it's kind of sick as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, yo, I was thinking, uh, this. do you ever watch football at all? This is kind of a say yeah, my favorite topic. team is the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. So you were here watching the Dallas Chiefs win, right? Great. Uh, 
Yes, I was. And yeah. real quick, yes, yes, the rumors are true, everybody. Dallas Cowboys are the greatest team and America's team. <sighs> Let me ask you one serious question, though. Everyone in this room and everyone watching, how many... Don't you always see someone almost everywhere you go with the Dallas Cowboys merchandise somehow? Maybe it's a hat, maybe it's a shirt, maybe it's something. It's always Dallas Cowboys, though, the most common one. I don't mm. know why. It's because it's America's team. That's why. Anyways, keep going. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Cowboys, they're cool. <laughs> I know they, they won a lot in the in the 90s, for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've been on a little bit of a dry streak recently, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. I'll be honest, man. I love Tony Romo. Uh, now, he's a great announcer. Yeah. But I, even when he was for them... When I was in high school, I gained the utmost respect for Tony Romo because of one game I saw. I forget who they were playing. I think it might have been the Giants or the Lions, a team like that. I think it was a blue team. Anyways, they're down by nine with a minute left to go. Yeah. And I was like, yo, if they can pull this back, Tony Romo drives them 80 yards down the field, scores a touchdown down by two. Kick it onside. They get the, the, they get the onside kick. Tony Romo gets it again, gets them in field goal range. They kick a field goal win with a minute, and they were mm. down by nine. Ever since then, I've been a huge Tony Romo fan. You know, when I've been a huge Tony Romo fan, when he on purposely missed the snap for the field goal against the Seahawks and they lost that playoff shot to go to the Super Bowl. And he did it because he knew we could win right now. We could make this field goal. But <laughs> do I want it that easy? Nah, fuck it, dude. I don't want it this easy. I want it harder than this. I'm going to miss this. We're going we're gonna to have to try next year. And then the next year. And then the next year. And he purposely kept doing it over and over again. He's going to have the last laugh. <laughs> Yeah, he's gonna have the last. He laugh. is having the last laugh, <laughs> yeah, no. man. He he fucking called. He was um. So when the Chiefs, the year before they win the Super Bowl, so last year, um, they lose in the game where they have to beat the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and arguably they would have won. Yeah, and the only reason they lost the game against the Patriots is because D Ford lined up offsides right at like on the play that they get the pick that would have won them the game. All right, so it's one blunder that cost them the game. Now here's the thing. I forgot my train of thought. <laughs> Tony Romo, baby. Yeah, that's all you got to know. Now we have uh, now we have Andy Dalton. I think. Andy, red, yeah, do they baby. have red Andy headed, Dalton? Redheaded, redheaded rocket, baby. The red rocket. Here's Coming what bothers me about and people. Here's what bothers me. This is the reason I brought it up. So in the Super Bowl this year, people want to hate on the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, and they go, "Yo, is Patrick Mahomes really all that?" Which just says if you're on top, people are going to hate on you. They're going to mm -hmm. talk shit, and. Even the people who support Tony Romo. And so I'm hoping every sports analyst who's ever agreed with this statement that I'm about to say watches this because it's absurd that you would even talk like this. They all agree on one thing. If uh, What's the guy from the, the 49ers? The quarterback? quarterback? Colin Kaepernick? Yeah, no, not the Colin Kaepernick. Um, white he dude. He looks like Jake Gyllenhaal. No clue, dude. Fuck. Why, why are all I do is watch the Cowboys? It's the lack of weed, bro. All these names escape me. So anyways... Um, Throws that that bomb that he misses. He overthrows him by like six, seven mm. yards. And that was like a third down um, fourth quarter. And they say, hey, if he completes that throw, the Chiefs lose the Super Bowl. And I'm thinking, yo, how can everybody just shake their head like you and go, yes, that's the if he completes that throw, they win the Super Bowl. No, listen, go back and watch the game. That's the fourth quarter. And the Chiefs were... Uh, they were still going to have enough time to come back. They would have been down by um, less than two possessions, and they still won by 10 points. So you're telling me that he completes that one throw. Yeah, they score, but they still win by two possessions. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So 
I don't know. That's just one of my gripes. Like, you can't just say, hypothetically, if he completes that, then Mahomes isn't all that. No, motherfucker. He still came back and won by two possessions. I think if you're talking about it on that sort of a level, it's just like, you you, you got to focus on more important shit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, let the guy let the guy win. Let the guy not win. I don't think it really, really matters. He fucking won, dude. Yeah. That's all that matters. Like, hypotheticals, whatever, dude. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Let's let's put the best against the best. Garoppolo. That's his name. <laughs> Garoppolo. When you said 49ers, the first thing that came to mind was Colin Kaepernick. I totally forgot you were talking about the Super Bowl. I was like, well... I'm going to look like a fucking idiot. Now I look like an idiot if the sports analysts are watching. Dude, watch this. Oh, yeah, I forgot his name. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Garoppolo. Either way, uh, that's such a great game. That Super Bowl was awesome. And it was just like, more importantly, the, the halftime show, Shakira, Shakira. Yo. <laughs> Hips don't lie, baby. The, where she went like this for like five seconds awkwardly. <laughs> <laughs> was that, her? that was yeah. her, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Okay, things are getting a little nice out here. It's getting a little dicey, you know? Yeah. Fucking A. <laughs> Dude, um, so what is your opinion on numerology? What the fuck is numerology, dude? So it's like as woo-woo as astrology, in my opinion. So it's is it it's not the exact same as not exact same thing. Astrology is, is astrology, you look right? at the stars and you go, Oh, you're an Aries, oh you're an Aquarius, mm-hmm. oh yeah, this is about you or whatever. Um and when I think back even I would consider this kind of numerology when Dean was like, yo, if I hear something three times in a row, then I'll start to take it seriously. So it's almost like uh superstitious, superstitious around numbers. Stuff. Uh, what's my opinion on it? Yeah. Um, I think it's more of like, uh, if I think it's, I think it can be very, I think it's true or it depends like, because it's like, look, if you truly believe something like every single time I had three times, that's when I do it. Right. And you stick to it and you have an experience of doing it before and you believe it. Yeah. Probably is something that's real in your life. It's just like, the, the person that's like, no, 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 if I, if I don't, um, if I don't wake up and, and I don't stretch every five minutes, every single day, my body doesn't feel good. So it's like, you're almost training your body not to feel good because you don't do a certain thing. Right. Yeah. I guess. So the reason why I asked this is because, um, on Mike's podcast, Mike shower, I didn't know, but he's super into numerology mm. and he's talking about it and he starts talking about the number four or 44 or 444, how that's a super lucky number. And anytime he sees that, it's like a, it's like a wink from the universe that you're on the right path. Oh, so it's numerology. That makes sense. Specifically with numbers. Yeah. Okay. And so I was like, okay, interesting. And so this was, I told him on that podcast, Hey, this is the second time I'm hearing something like this because, uh, about a week ago. Clark Kegley um, released a YouTube video about the significance of numbers and like three, six, nine. And like he even came out with something called the seven, seven cycle. And he's like big in the law of attraction. So I saw Clark say that, and I've never been a big numerology guy. So I'm like, okay, Clark, whatever. Okay, whatever. And then he tells me this on this podcast. I'm like, okay, four, 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 whatever four. Maybe it's a lucky number. Um, in fact, I've always not liked the number four cause I like multiples of five. I always have to have something on either 15 or 20 or mm. five or something like that. Mm. Um, like the dial on the fucking volume in the car. Anyways, the day after that podcast, I have the third experience where someone tells me about it, which is, uh, Matt Maddox, Caleb's father, uploads like four or five stories on his Instagram story in a row talking about four, 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 four. And I'm like, yo, what the f? Is this serious? So I messaged Matt Maddox. I'm like, yo, is there really significance with the number four? Because someone told me literally yesterday on my podcast, hey, four, four, or four. Um, And he sends me a voice memo back. He goes, yeah. Four is actually a number that signifies angels. It signifies like, um, you know, abundance and things like that. And I'm like, huh, 
Mm. Interesting. So now going back to Dean's thing, which I would now consider probably numerology, you hear something three times in a row, you got to start taking it seriously. Mm. That's three times in a row within about a week and a half that I heard about that. See, but the funny part about that is that wasn't even Dean that was saying that, dude. It was someone else. Who? It was Jeremy, bro. It was Jeremy's logic. He goes, whenever I hear something three times, that's when I do it. Because it was about investing. Remember about Bitcoin and everything? Mm. He was like, he was like, I heard someone tell me I should invest in like XRP. Or well, who's Jeremy's biggest influence? Dean. <laughs> Dean. Yeah. Uh, okay. Interesting. I don't think I've ever heard Dean say this on my own. But either way, I think numerology. Uh, but at the end of the day, isn't it someone just writing down sales copy? It's like, dude, the four 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 represents angels because they they had an experience with the number four or something, or they're trying to sell someone a product for number with the with the True. cost of four forty nine dollars yeah. or something like that. I don't know. So here's another thing, and I don't know if I did it right, but Mike was talking about numerology. He was reading in in a book. Um, about something called life paths in numerology. And he said, everybody has a different life path. The life path is like your number, your life path. So everybody's number is different. And I think the way he mentioned it on the podcast is like you add up the digits of your of your birth date and whatever that adds up to, that's like a significant year for you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so are you telling me it's a good year for you or just a significant one? Because significant could also be bad, right? And so he said, I don't know. I just took it as like a good thing. And he said, for me, 32 is supposed to be my life path number. And so he's 32 this year. And mm. so he goes, I, I've always had the feeling that this year would be the great a great year for me. And I'm going through a lot of changes this year that I think are actually going to work out really well. And so I kind of entertained that. And so yesterday, we posted the podcast literally yesterday. And I'm watching it. And I listened to this. <laughs> and so I'm the part where he starts talking about 444, I look at the clock. The clock is 138. You add up one plus three plus eight, it's 12, and 12 is four, four, four. It's a multiple of four, <laughs> all right? So I was yeah. like, okay, that's weird. And so then I remember listening to this part. He goes, well, you add up the digits of your birth date. And I don't know if this is how you calculate your, your life path. That's just mm-hmm. what he said on the podcast. And so I was like, okay, well, if his adds up to 32 and he's 32 now, well, let me add up mine real quick and see what happens. So I add up my birth date digits, and it go, adds up to 25. 25 is the year I dropped out of dental school. Mm. So interesting. So now you're a numerologist, bro. I, I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm as much a numerologist as I am an uh, ast- is it astrology? Yeah, astrology. I don't I'm not, I don't really buy into astrology either. I think it's like horoscopes and all that. I think it's cold reading people based on different things. But here's something that I have realized because the first time I even knew anybody took astrology seriously is approaching girls in the nightclubs and. Uh, a significant amount of these girls are asking me what my sign is. What's your sign? Yeah. Are you a Capricorn <laughs> or yeah. <a> Gemini? <laughs> what are you? I'm a fucking Leo, bro. Arr. Damn. See, I thought the air, I'm an Aries. What the fuck kind of sound was that, by the way? <laughs> I'm supposed to be a fucking lion, bro. That's the noises he makes with his girlfriend. <laughs> Ladies. Yeah. Um. So, man, I like the Leo. The lion's my favorite. Yeah, dude. Uh, When I... Th- I mean, it just, I'm biased, but like, obviously I've been told I was a Leo my whole life. So I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. Right. But is that just because it, it, I've been told it's like, yeah, you're a Leo. It's like, okay, cool. No, but, um, the, the thing I, I like about the horoscopes is like, it's insanely accurate. Like when you take personality tests, all that stuff. Um, I have a whole different opinion on personality. Tests. Really? Yeah. Um, well, let's get into that then, because like, I guess for, well, per, that's, it is kind of different, right? Yeah, it is. It is totally different actually. Um, but my birth is uh falls under the leo category uh 
Do you so feel about like you? it what accurately you? describes you? Oh yeah. Yeah. 100%. See, that's, that's the thing that gets me is like, I didn't, I didn't really take it seriously before, but then Kate being a girl, she's probably into it a little bit. Mm. She reads, uh, the compatibility of me and her based on Aries and whatever she is. Yeah. And it is describing things that, that are exactly like what we are and how we work together, which is interesting. You could probably read that for every combination and maybe find some truth in it. But one thing I can say is every person I know who is an Aries is similar to me in like personality in the sense that it's like, I'm gonna go after it. I'm gonna mm. get it. Nothing's going to stand in my way. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, you're like very just like, ah, I'm going to get it. Right. <laughs> and so, but you can't say, but then you read something about like a Libra or like a Pisces. It's the exact opposite. So for me thinking about all the people I know who are Aries, I'm like, yo, is there a significance to that, that we're all kind of similar in that way? You mm. know? I mean, I think there is definitely truth to it because someone kind of figured it out. Oh wait, this guy's a Aries. That guy's an Aries. They're kind of similar because they both do this. Right. And they kind of like started doing the data or whatever. Right. Yeah. I also think people uh, like to find things that are true and they believe in already. Right. So if like, for example, with the numerology example, was it a coincidence that those numbers aligned as is, or were you focused on numerology and like how numbers are like significant that you started noticing more things that had the number four as the, as the, the main uh, common thing in it. Right. Mm. Just like with, um, with like the, the whole Leo and uh, example, it's like, yeah, I think people are kind of like tying those, those two personalities together based off those examples. Um, but I think people look for like specific things to, to, to um, have come confirm. True. Yeah, exactly. To confirm their confirmation bias. bias. Confirmation bias. Exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Thanks for saving me. <laughs> confirmation bias. Yeah. There's a lot of confirmation bias going on in the numerology. I yeah. think there's a lot of confirmation bias going on in the uh, horoscopes things. Because at the end of the day, right, maybe that quiz might say you and your girlfriend sign. If you're Aries, what is she? I uh, forget. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm not into it as <laughs> yeah. big as she is. <laughs> uh, whatever she is, is saying that you guys are more compatible because you guys do this thing. And you're like, yeah, that makes sense. And it's like, People also use that information to kind of real, uh, justify why that and, a, and someone other person wouldn't ever work out. When in reality, if you didn't know that you guys were both this and you didn't read that fucking horoscope quiz, yeah. what if you guys just committed and said, no, nah, we're going to make it work? Yeah. <laughs> right? I actually, I think I, I think I was telling someone about this. I'm pretty sure it was you where I went on a date with a girl who asked me about my personality type and she was talking about how she is like soup. She listens to podcasts where they break down different types, like the Myers Briggs There's 16 Mm. personality types. And, uh, I was just telling her things about my life. I was like, yeah, I dropped out of dental school. Um, sometimes I work and ironically, like, Oh, I told her about how there'd be a couple of weeks where I wouldn't have left my apartment after dropping out. Cause I was so focused on trying to build my shit. And, uh, and I think she instantly in her head, cause she, she knows that, or she she believes she knows all the things about the Myers Briggs personality type. She probably personality typed me when I said that, yeah. Because I never got a second date with her, and I was like, she's dope. She was a cool, cool person. I would have gone on a second second date with her. Did you feel her like kind of trying to categorize you in some way? I Is felt like why? she was trying to categorize me, like but figure, I also like felt figure like you out. Yeah, but I also felt like the date went really well. We went to Postinos. Okay. And this is why I was still living in, in Scottsdale. And uh and I she we just never I hit her up a couple times after that, but I think she just never was into it. Her loss, baby. Her loss. Her loss. I got a better girl anyway. Yeah, dude. If someone's gonna classify you and judge you and not give you a second date, even though it went extremely well because of your sign or your personality that she on Myers Briggs obsessed with for herself because she trying to figure herself out so much that now she knows so much about other people apparently that yeah. she's gonna not give you a second date because of what something else she read it's like yeah 
fuck that girl. Yo, maybe I maybe I have a negative opinion about personality typing because I've had a couple of negative experiences like that. Like I was talking to a so I took anatomy and physiology at K State and it was a eight credit hour course. And it's like the it's really famous because at least in the Midwest, they call it they don't even call it anatomy and physiology, they call it human body. And apparently of all the big 12 schools in that area, it was like got the most rigorous program for that class. Right. And so this teacher, this professor was really like really well respected. And I'm trying to get into medical school. And ironically, like the first week of class that semester um, is like when my dad was going heavily through chemo and like mm. on the verge of like about to be out. Damn. And so I like told this teacher, I'm like, hey, I know this is a tough class. I want to be here. I don't want to miss this semester, but like my dad has liver cancer. It's already stage four. Mm. And she just looked at me and she was like, you need to go visit your father. Yeah. Take the week off. Go wow. visit your father. Shout out to that teacher. So that night I drive like 10 hours to go to like the lake of those. It wasn't at the lake of those arcs. Cause we went to a, like one of the top cancer places in, in somewhere in Missouri. Commit first, figure the rest out later. Keep right. Going. So I drive and I go there. He ends up passing away that week. So mm. she called that shit yeah. kind of. So I was grateful for that. So I came back and I actually aced the class so much. So I, I believe of the rank of all the people in that lecture is like hundreds of people. Cause we would, she would actually post the test scores mm. and like your student ID next to the test scores. And every single test I was number one or two. And so I, I felt like an ego boost from that. Um, and I think she judged me on my personality type from that because she also had assigned seating in this big lecture hall. And so because I was like gone for the whole first week, the only seat left for me was the one right up front, right next to her. Mm. And so I think she believed that I was a teacher's pet. I always had the top scores on the class. Anyways, the next following semester, I wanted to be a um, she, she had like a tutoring program from people who had previously aced that class and I applied to be one and she denied me all the people who applied got in except for me. Well, wow. and I approached her after that in between classes, the following semester, like what the hell, <laughs> you know, why can't I get in? And I was like, even looking like, I was so sure I was going to get it that I was already like putting together lessons plans, wow. you know? Yeah. And so she basically, I remember this conversation. She's telling me, I just don't think your personality is right. What are you talking about? Well, see, you're the type of person who would rather stay inside on a Friday night and read a book. What are, you don't know me. That's not true at all. I hate staying she was inside saying on a that Friday. To you? Yeah, straight up. So she's trying to personality type me as super introverted, super like teacher's pet. Yeah. I'm like, yo, you've got this all wrong. Anyways, I applied to be a lab TA for the same class because that's kind of like a separate portion of the class. Mm -hmm. And I get it for because the lab person was like, hell yeah, like come mm -hmm. and work for me or whatever. Um and so I think that was my first negative. I lost all respect for this woman after that. Mm. And so um, I think that was probably the first time where I was like, yo, fuck a personality test, you know? Yeah. But that also, also that teacher had limited data to go off of Yeah. in order to classify you, right? She classified you because of just her, I don't know. It's like, dude, that's also, I don't know. <laughs> that's a whole nother topic, I guess. But yeah, yeah. Um, classifying someone based off their personality type when you don't even know the person truly enough to where you can kind of like see the shoes they're walking in on a daily basis is yeah. you know, for a whole nother story. Um, and so I, I think the third example where I was like, this time I actually kind of like question from a really intuitive. Oh, so we're view. going back to the number three again. So this third, is the third experience. Three, yeah. okay. Okay. I like, I like threes, bro. Okay. It's so fine. I'm in dental school, first year of dental school. And 
this is where I start learning how important marketing is because we got dental lectures, we got like biology lectures and all these things. But then they have one lecture a week where this guy comes in. I forget his name. He's a bald dude, super charismatic guy, great smile, owns a bunch of practices in the Valley. And he's not, his whole thing is I'm not a dentist. I'm the guy who helps you run a successful practice. And so he recommended a book. It's called marketing is everything. And it's written by dentists and it's for dentists. And, um, so anyways, he's talking about this personality test called the DISC assessment. I'm sure you've heard of it, D-I-S-C. And so he's explaining it and he recommends we all, everybody in the class take a DISC assessment to learn our own personality type. And I'm the only one who paid $25 to take it in the whole 150 person class. And so I actually sent it to him and I was like, hey, what do you think? And I, I guarantee I was the only one who took it. And, uh, and so I actually went into his office after hours to go discuss the results. And I'm like, I'm like, Cause it said I am highly D like dominant personality type. And then all the other ones were like super low. Mm. And I said, you know, honestly, when I was taking the test, I could have told you exactly what my results could have been. And at this time I was learning about the self image. I'd read psycho cybernetics like right mm. before this. And I was like, I want to get your opinion. Cause I respected this guy. And I, and I felt like he had a lot of wisdom to offer. And at the time I was actually trying to get mentored by him Okay, because I was still, I, I didn't even know I wanted to drop out yet. Yeah. And, uh, and I just could tell he had never considered it the way I considered it. Cause I was like, listen, I don't think this is accurate because I was answering it knowing what my result would have been. Because think about it. If my self image is I'm a dominant type of personality, you're going to answer all the answers that make you fulfill that prophecy. Right. Because if I don't stick to that personality and I know that it conflicts with your beliefs. Exactly. And so I was like, I feel like it'd be more accurate if a, a lot of people who know, knew me intimately took, took it the test for me for you. And he wow. just was like, well, it's still accurate, but he just was not agreeing with that. And I'm like, and that's where I started to realize when I learned about the self-image, can you really say that personality types are that accurate? Oh, another time that I got pissed about personality tests is Here comes I, the four, <laughs> the number four, bro. I was working at a, a <laughs> number three, number four, number five, numerology, oh, shit. baby, numerology. Here yeah. it comes. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I, I applied, not only when I dropped off the, the so I know you should put numerologist in your Instagram bio. Keep going. <laughs> when I, when I dropped out of dental school or dropped out of the call center to get a job at a restaurant, this is the second time I had applied to work at the yard house. Yard house is a dope ass restaurant. Mm -hmm. I applied once before we even moved into Arizona and to be a server there, you have to take a personality type test. Mm -hmm. uh, and depending on if you pass the personality test, then they'll invite you for an interview. Mm -hmm. Both times I didn't get invited for an interview. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yo, are you really going to not hire me when I'm clearly someone who could easily work in this restaurant and kill it? Yeah. Uh, because the test didn't agree. And now I'm like questioning the answers as I'm answering it. Cause I took it twice, like years apart, it didn't get an interview both times. And I'm like, yo, how can we make decisions based off of uh, what a test says about someone? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's true. I mean, like for example, when I, when I, uh, brought on Frederick to, to add spend.com as a media buyer. Yeah. He took a personality test. I had him take a personality test because, uh, I remember, uh, one of my, my friends, Nick Fisher, I don't know if you ever met Nick Fisher. He actually did some consulting with Dean and he runs at a agency called, um, Ajexa. And, um, basically it's a, it's a marketing agency and he had us take a personality test and I was like, Oh, that's pretty helpful. Like as a person, I liked taking it because it helped me, you know, quote unquote, figure out more about myself or, or confirm certain things about myself that I already knew to be true. Right. And then I had Frederick take it and I was like, okay, on paper, he's this. And as I started to get to know, to know him more, he's actually becoming more creative than I thought from my first impression off that test. And I'm like, wow, 
if I would have judged him off that test, I would have never thought he could be a great copywriter. And he's coming, he's becoming a great copywriter, yeah. helping me with video ad scripts for my clients. Yeah. So I'm like, dude, if I would have judged him off that personality test without then seeing him more and more with our team calls and our one-on-ones, I would have uh, probably never, I guess, like in another world, I've never would have never gave that person a shot. Does that make sense? Right. No, I totally get it. <clears throat> Which is ironic that you say he's popping off with copy because when he was paying me to learn marketing as a client, um, I was like, yo, so what I want you to do is I want you to write 30 headlines and I want you to just pretend it's for my offer just for practice. Cause he didn't yeah. have an offer. He didn't know that night. He sends me 50. Yeah. Dude, he's an action taker. Commit first, figure the rest out later. Straight up. And I'm like, yo, you got potential as a copywriter. Yeah, <laughs> and then like a few months later, now he's working for you and you're seeing the same shit. Yeah. I've never taking personality test seriously. Yeah. Right. And so me seeing that potential, it's like, you gotta, you gotta just experience them and yeah. see if they have the right values, if they are the right person for it, if they, if they can make it work. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas Frederick's personality test, who the fuck knows what it would have said, but you can't mm -hmm. judge someone's intangibles based off of that. Yeah. It's kind of, it kind of goes back to what we, how we got on this topic in the first place was like, you think that girl maybe judged you based off your first or based off your personality results or whatever, that first date. Right. And then maybe for whatever reason, her loss, she didn't give you a second chance or whatever. All right. It's like you have to get to, you have to be around someone for a long time to really know that person and how they operate. Right. So to never judge a book by a cover. Is that yeah. the point? <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. have a lot of data points before you, before you make uh, decisions, especially with like hiring and shit. Here's or, what I do find kind of intriguing about it though. Myers-Briggs. I, I think if, if of the ones I know of, I think disc is probably which one's the one that's um sixteen personalities dot com Myers Briggs okay what's oh, so disc is the D I S C yeah I can't remember what I got on that one I know you're I'm an the, ENFP oh so the that's campaigner. the answers yes yes yeah. yes yes so yeah I'm an ENFP campaigner um what's the one with the numbers isn't there one with numbers I, I don't know I don't know I think I could you know that Chris I could have sworn there was another personality type with numbers maybe I'm off here yeah. anyways. ENFP, like the cool thing about the 16 personalities.com or whatever. It shows other people that are the celebrities same, that you that would got know. got kind of the same results, which did they take the quiz and get that same results or did they just kind of categorize them based off the personality type? I don't know. That's my question. So here's, here's what's cool about that. I got the result, the campaigner as well. And I started looking up information. I was like, okay, that's kind of accurate yeah, about me. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you tell me that, I was like, okay, I could see that being yeah. similar to personality type. And then I see someone like Tony Robbins. I'm like. He's got to be somewhat similar, you know, Yeah. like, cause we're all like very intuitive. We can mm -hmm. feel people's, we got empathy. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of like ENFP. Yeah. A lot of it is extroverted. You're a feeler, you're a perceiver. Mm -hmm. Right. All right, cool. But then James, who's not at all like me at all, who was my closer, um, last year. Yeah. He got the campaigner and now I'm thinking, does everybody get the campaigner <laughs> when they take this? Yeah, it's like, Cause wait. you are not a campaigner, bro. Yeah. Watch, watch Jane build a, a fucking uh, great company 10 years from now. And be yeah. Like, he's the face of it. <laughs> yeah. He does a campaigner post. It's on the 16 personalities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cool thing I liked about the campaigner results was, uh, it was more of like a, Hey, look, I'm going to go on this journey and I'm going to share everything I learned along the way to help other people. Right. It was like, I'm going to go out. It's like the, um, uh, in the, in Russell Brunson's book, dot com secrets, the personality type It's like, what kind of leader are you? Yeah. Are you the uh, reporter? The, yeah. Well, it's like, what's the one where he, I think it's something like a campaigner too. It's like you go on a, an adventure is it the adventurer. You go on an adventure and you take people along with you and share your results as you find them. Like you go on an adventure, you come back and you say, here's what I learned. 
It's like, but I, I'm taking you with me because like, I don't have all the answers. We're going to go on this journey together. I love that about the campaigner because that's me. It's like, look, I'm always disqualifying a lot of things that I say, even on podcasts like this, because I'm just sharing what's going on in my life right yeah. now from based off my experiences. I don't have all the fucking answers. I'm 25 years young. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm still ignorant, right? Like Joe Rogan says all the time, dude, I'm dumb. Yeah. Joe Rogan's like, I'm dumb, dude. I'm yeah. just a guy that smokes a lot of weed, trains <laughs> MMA, blah, 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 blah. That's like me. It's like, dude. I'm trying to figure this shit out just like you guys are trying to figure this shit out. I'm just sharing stuff that's worked just like Patrick shares stuff that's worked. And I'm just going, dude. And I'm just going to share what works along the way. That's what I like about the campaigner. Ironically, it sums us up perfectly, I think. Yeah. Ironically, I feel like just the fact that we're able to own that in our content, it makes us more free. Mm. Just like Joe Rogan, if he says something people disagree with, he could just easily be like, yo, I'm stupid. Don't listen to me Yeah, because it's true. I think where it gets dangerous is when you're like the guy who fucking copies other people's sales pages. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're trying to put on a fucking uh, persona yeah. and you're trying to seem perfect at all times. Yeah. Every dude who's flexing on Instagram suffers from this. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's like at a certain point, if you're not willing to show your flaws or own up to your flaws, yes. then people are going to hold those flaws against you. Yeah, dude. And you can't, you can't be someone who thinks, no, everything I do is right. Every, I knew someone in high school that was like that. Everything you, every, every single time you disagreed with him on a certain thing and you try to present an alternative point or solution, yeah. he would say, no, no, that's not, that, that, that's not true. I don't believe that. And you wouldn't even think of the possibility, which in a, in a way I respect because yeah. it's like, this guy's committed to his beliefs so much, but also I think it's going to end up detrimenting him le later on down the road. And, to be his demise because you have to be open-minded enough to see other people's points of view. And because you can at least hear someone else's point of view, analyze it, and then make your own conclusion based off both data points. I think that's more valuable than just being cut off to everything that you don't agree yeah. with, especially when you're in high school and you think you know the shit. I want to get your opinion on this because <clears throat> I've been noticing this with a lot of the entrepreneurs recently who are starting podcasts mm. because yo, we fucking call that shit. Podcasts are the wave. Video as soon podcasts. as the Joe exactly. As soon as Joe Rogan gets that fucking deal, everybody and their mom starts a podcast. It's all going virtual. And I could technically fit into that category, but listen, I've been talking about doing this podcast for a year, mm. <laughs> you know? And so one person I'm thinking of valuetainment, right? Mm. I don't want to call, I love Patrick Bat David. I love his content, but his new podcast, it just feels like he's trying to be something he's not mm. honestly. And I see someone like that. Who's so driven, so motivated. I'm not talking about Patrick Bat David in particular, but I'm just saying, I feel like people who have a certain brand and some of these people like Dean, perfect example. I feel like some people can benefit from smoking a little weed. Mm. Cause I think my content got a lot better. The moment I started not trying to have anxiety of like, I gotta, I gotta portray myself in the right way. Fuck it. Say yeah. whatever you want. Like yeah. just be you yeah. and me being able to just like <sighs> relax and do that. A lot of it had to do with weed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This is a great topic because it's like, look, a lot of people don't want to show their, don't want to say certain things because they're afraid to quote unquote piss off other people or they want to be too vanilla because they don't want to say, they want to be, they don't want to be polarizing. Right. Mm. They don't want to say what's on their mind in fear of people uh, misjudging them or uh, not liking their content or whatever, not buying from them. Right. But it's like, I would rather, and I know you agree with this too, be super transparent, share my flaws, share my struggles, share my trials, my, my, my tribulations with the world and admit that I don't have all the answers then act like I'm someone who's perfect. Right. Like, um, I don't know. I forget why we were tying this in the back Patrick Beck David, but it's just like, look, video podcasts are the move because I think in real time, it allows you to get your point across in a long form format that's entertaining, but also educational because you get to see the progression over a long period of time yeah. from day one to where you're going to have a hundred episodes, how much the quality improves, how much you've grown as a person. Right. And everyone can look back on those monologues and watch them for forever. It's yeah. sick.
Yeah. Um, I guess kind of the reason I thought about that is because I was talking to a buddy who ironically, who I talked to this morning about like the guy who copied my sales letter. Cause he's a copywriter, but he was really big on this like workshop. That's like Lionheart. It was called Lionheart. I don't think it's around anymore, but it's about like overcoming like your childhood traumas, realizing that, Hey, your go-getter attitude is just the teenager inside of you trying to prove himself or something like that. And they, the way these guys were talking about it, it's kind of seemed like a cult, but it also kind of seemed like in the same realization of like, when I started smoking weed, I started not trying to force like a persona out of me. Right. Yeah. And Huge. we were relating it back to some like people who are crushing it online, but we also feel like they would highly benefit from a little bit of like some of this. You oh, know? so it's like getting rid of the ego. It would help them with their, with, it would help them. Like Dean's a perfect example. I'm pretty sure he never smokes weed. Right. But he also is very vanilla, not like vanilla is the wrong word. He's very like PG rated mm. on camera, but off camera, he's really chill. Right. Yeah. So I think someone like that, would benefit it a little bit from taking a psychedelic once, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I 100% agree because, like, the, the the best moments I remember being mentored by Dean when, when we were together uh, was just, like, when he would talk with us at lunch, right? No filter. No like, filter. That's when I learned the most. Yeah. Like, because he was sharing real shit, real shit about life, real shit about relationships, real shit about raising kids, real shit about marketing, real shit about business, right? Yeah. There was no direct-to-camera uh, filter. It was just, dude, this guy is real and, and I love, I love that about him. And that's why I love like formats like this. And, and because it's like, I just want to, I just want to share, right? Yeah. Like you, you connect more with someone who's just fucking real all the time and doesn't wear a filter and like, not saying that he wears a filter, but it's like weed helps you realize, dude, fuck the ego. Yeah. Like I'm going to put that shit aside. And the cool thing about it is I don't even think it's like a thing that helps you get there that you have to take to get there because i'm sober right now but i'm still that it's a thing that made me realize oh there's a difference between the person i'm trying to be and the person i am yeah how can i make that more congruent and now i don't even have to have that to make it more congruent i am just congruent you know <laughs> yeah it's like grant cardone dude the difference is like the reason why i loved grant cardone so much is because i would watch this guy on a podcast in a video format on his show every single day on youtube and he would have people call in on young hustlers he goes what's up man what's your question man the guy's like hey grant i'm trying to do this blah 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 I'm thinking about getting into sales and he's like, how much money you got in your bank account, bro? And the guy's <laughs> like, uh, 20 K goes, Oh dude, you're broke, bro. Yeah. He's like, you're broke, man. He's like, come on, man. He's like, come on, man. He goes, dude, what are you going to do with 20 K? He's like, I'm trying to think about 20 K a minute, dude. I'm trying to think about 20 K a second. And you can just tell he's free flowing, not trying to have a filter. And that's why I loved him because I was like, this dude just says whatever the fuck he wants. He's yeah. saying it how it is, dude. He's saying it without trying to, uh, be too vanilla for people. He's, he's, like, I remember, I think it was Dan Kennedy that said, um, if you haven't pissed off anybody by nine o'clock, you're not marketing hard enough. Right. Right. Yeah. Something like that. It's like, you might as well just be fully authentic and say how it is and get people that actually like you than try to be too vanilla and just put on an act and get people that kind of like you. Yeah. Straight up. I think that's a perfect note to end it. We've been going almost two hours and I really got to fucking piss. Yeah, dude, I'm hungry too. But, uh. Thanks for coming on the podcast again. Hell we'll yeah, definitely dude. have you on as like a regular character. Fuck yeah, dude. I, I'm imagining like five, ten years from now when someone draws like a meme of my podcast yeah. and it's like a cartoon. I want you to be on that fucking on that meme. It's too. literally the Joe Rogan model, bro. Yeah. Brian Callen, Brennan Schaub, uh, Eddie Bravo. When you think of the Joe Rogan podcast, I think of Br Fight Companion. I think of those five people yeah. watching the fights together. Bro, when I go back and watch his first podcast, he had the same guests over and over for like the first hundred episodes. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like, exactly. It's going to be sick. I love doing these, bro. And I hope, the, I hope the audience does as well. Yeah. All right, man. Peace out. Peace.